Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome and glad you're along for the ride on a gorgeous day here on the First Coast. We're live at the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball and Softball Classic Day 3. Man, it was supposed to be cold and it was probably going to cool off a little bit, but what a gorgeous day. I'm looking, beautiful. I'm looking for clouds. I can't find one. I've looked about everywhere. I've decided to look in the sky. That's where I'm looking, Brooks. I don't see a cloud <laughs> anywhere. Do you see one? I do not. That's uh, affectionately known as blue clear sky oh, if you like George Strait. Oh, Affectionately known as blue clear sky, Carlion. Uh, again, it's supposed, to, it's supposed to cool off. It's not even cold yet. It's just nice out of today. Have you seen the movie The Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio? I have not. Oh, it's so great. So yeah. it's about Howard Hughes yeah. and uh, how he was this extravagant movie yeah, uh, yeah, producer. Yeah, right. And uh, so he's filming this movie, and it's this big airplane chase sequence yeah, fighting yeah. Uh, in the sky. And he's frustrated because there's no clouds. Right. So you can't get the scale of how fast the planes are going. Right. So he hires this, goes to, like, USC. Right. And just doubles the salary of the guy who teaches meteorology there. Right. To find him clouds. Because <laughs> I need clouds. Uh, yeah. And th- this is, like, really early in the movie. It's a fantastic movie yes. if you've never seen it. But anyway, it reminds me of that. We got it's no clouds. It's a good thing we're not we uh, trying to film a movie of, uh, you know. Because we, no, we got no clouds for no right clouds. Now. It is a be- but it is a beautiful. Day. I do want to invite people to come out. We have had uh, such good days. Now we got rain on the first day. A little wind yesterday. I'm telling you what, this is a day for any sport, any time, any way. It is really gorgeous out here today. So we hope you'll come out and say hello and uh, come on by. We are located along the first. People keep saying, "Where were you? I couldn't find." Well, you're easy to find. We got the big tent. We're the, we're the people. That, we're the people under the 1010 XL tent. The only one out here. But we've had so many people come up and say hello, and so many people that have stopped by and. They see us out here, and, and again, I, I told Steve again this today, or Steve Griffin, our GM, I really appreciate 1010XL supporting this and letting us be part of this uh, all week long. It's a special day. It's a special week in Jacksonville. We've had a lot of people come up. We met some others, Lauren, even today, that uh, came up and said hello and, and, and are part of it. Thank you. Grateful to be part of this as we are. So, uh, But t- today's the day, man. If you want to come see something, Hey, just said it uh, during the handoff and again a minute ago. If you want to want a beautiful day to come watch baseball. It doesn't get much better than this. It is a gorgeous day. Baseball and softball. Uh, the schedule today on the softball side, the uh, Providence plays Sandalwood. That's a 4 o'clock start. That's right next to us here. They're both right next to us. Providence plays Sandalwood. And then at 7 o'clock tonight, Hilliard and Fletcher, two terrific girls softball teams, or four terrific girls softball teams. They all play coming up in just a moment. On the baseball side, Ed White plays Jackson at 4 o'clock. Baldwin and Inglewood play then. At seven o'clock, we've also changed. We've made some schedule changes moving forward because it does look like Saturday is just going to be a deluge. It looks like Saturday is going to be uh, not as much rain as we've had around here in a long time, is what everybody is saying. So we've moved some expected Saturday games up, and we'll tell you kind of what that schedule is. So we'll go through the schedule with you uh, coming up in just a bit. But but I will tell you that uh, it's a gorgeous day out here. A lot to do. Elise Smith will stop by in about a half an hour uh, from the Players' uh, Championship. He's the executive director today, so he's going to come out here and see the ballpark. And they've been a great sponsor of Walk-Off Charities. So uh, he's going to come by and uh, – I stopped by for a little bit, so it's always good to see Lee. He'll be by in a little bit. We'll talk a little bit about Ryan Nielsen. And then tomorrow, I would imagine you'll be in attendance, Hayes, when, yep. he, when he meets with the media. And then, uh, God I, willing. God willing. I don't think I'll be there. I'm going to try to get by, but we've got the Heritage game out here at 11 o'clock. Reigns and Reball playing. It's the Red Caps game that, that the Jumbo Shrimp always host, but since they're renovating their ball yard a little bit, so we're going to play it here. And so uh, we're very That's excited. awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, 11 o'clock tomorrow. So, Lauren, if you want to go, if you love baseball, 
Uh, a gorgeous day tomorrow to watch uh, some real big rains and rebal too. Fantastic athletic programs, and we've we've uh, we're proud of those. But we've been walkoffs been very involved in those programs. We have uh, we rebuilt the batting cages at Rains last year. We provided uh, pitching machines and a uh, number of other pieces of equipment for rebal because that's who we want to help. We want we want kids to play, and we want kids to play baseball that that uh, otherwise might not have an opportunity for baseball to be involved in baseball. So that's a big deal to us. And so so they play in the heritage game right here at. It's the Bregan Baseball Complex tomorrow at 11. And then, uh, as we told you, two other games coming up tomorrow as well. So we'll go through all the schedules and uh, how that works out and, and kind of some schedule change. So we'll talk a little bit about Ryan Nielsen. I'll get to that in a second. Did JT hit it well after he heard your prediction? Is there yeah, I, word that that got back to Alabama or wherever he well, lives Well, I, I think he's trying to – Hustle me in even yeah, further. Yeah, I do. So <laughs> that I'll I'll double down and triple down between yeah. now and, and yeah, getting yeah. the because you're you not know, afraid the to double down. Course. You're a double down yeah, guy. Yeah, and then he'll put up a 76, 74, <laughs> and make me look bad. But uh, but yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think JT is going to have a really strong year. He's too talented of a player to have two consecutive down years. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's figured it out, and uh, I think he's going to have a great year, and I think he's going to win the Players Championship for the second time in his career. The fact that Nick Saban retires and JT gets a hole-in-one today, oh. something is in the air. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Be it is. on the watch for Saban acting as his caddy I, during players. I, I wonder if he I wonder if <laughs> Do I, not be surprised. I wonder if he caddied today. That was going to be my question. He might have caddied for him today. You know what? He, he, he probably coached him up a little bit, okay? Yeah. All right? He goes, all right? All right? Yeah. Like, JT, if you're not going to work hard, all right? Then we're gonna, <laughs> I, think, I think he dropped about eight eights on him. Yeah. And they, here, here we go. So yeah. um, Now, I'm assuming that JT lives – in Jupiter, like Tiger and Saban I and all the other so, good I think so because they're so close. Yeah, that's what I would yeah. expect. I think they're neighbors, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's right. That's right. I forgot. So it's, he might be the cat. Saban's yeah. got it's a ride with me to Jacksonville. That's right. Saban's got the house down there, too. So, so, well, so but, but anyway, we'll talk some. Uh, it be good to see Lee Smith. Lee's a good dude. He'll he'll come by and talk a little golf with us. Uh, that comes up in, in just a bit. Um, whew, last night, there's no bad wins. <laughs> no. But there's no, there some almost not. bad wins. There are some uh, almost disasters. Yeah, and by and the that way, that was definitely almost a disaster. Yeah, and thank you, LSU guy. Yeah, for having a three footer and shooting at one. He and he had enough time to. Yeah, and and by the way, dunk it really. Yeah, I mean, he had a three footer in front of the basket. God bless his soul. Someone said he had a three footer and he shot at two. Nope, he had a three footer. He shot at one. Yeah, that was it. Was an air ball. Yeah, I, I, I God bless his soul, and uh, what a and we'll talk about it. We'll kind of start the program with it in a bit. What a bizarre game. And listen, the idea is to win the game. Right. And they keep winning these games. Okay, so the idea is to win the games. But goodness gracious, some hairy ones. Really are, and, and a lot of uh, teachable moments that will come out of this one. I mean, first off, and, and Todd Golden acknowledged this in, in the post game. they've got to figure out a way to defend the 1-3-1 zone. Or, and, or to attack yeah, it, right? And, and, right. And, I, yeah, to, to be efficient in it. and. Uh, and so that'll occupy the next two days of, of practice going into Georgia. Uh, but that's fine. I mean, there's a lot of ways to beat that, and they'll, they'll figure it out. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, the thing that's so re- incredible to me is how they consistently destroy teams in the first 20 to 30 minutes of games. Now they've allowed Mississippi State and Georgia and LSU to come back, and they let, they let oh. A&M come back and actually beat them uh, during this nice run. And Auburn but, came back, too. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, uh, but uh, but I mean, it's 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 amazing to me how they are just so good in the first twenty to thirty minutes, and uh, you know, I, so I, 
I'm not overly concerned. Obviously, it would have been a disaster had they lost. But look at it this way. Look at Texas A&M. They go to Vandy last night. Vandy, the worst team by Mm -hmm. a mile in the net in the SEC, including Missouri, who's yet to win in the league. Uh, But Vanderbilt was really struggling. They were like 235th in the net. A&M goes up there. They lose to Vandy. They fall six spots in the net. That is a crushing loss for A&M. So, at least for Florida – they were able to uh, to get the win. They remain 33 in the net rankings. So in, in the long run, none of this matters. I actually think it helps them because I think it probably – it's going to feel like a loss. Like in Walter Clayton's post game. I mean, if you watched the post yeah. game and didn't watch the game, A, you'd be like, why are they interviewing a guy on, on, a losing, on the losing right, team? Because right. of the five questions he was asked, four of them basically were, right. why do you guys stink so bad and late yeah, in games? Right, that's right. That's exactly right. So, and, I, and I saw somebody else suggested online, which you, you said that maybe this is a good thing. You, don't, you, get the, you get the teaching moments and the pain of the collapse, yet you don't have the L to go with it. Correct. So that might be the, the perfect world. But it was hairy down the stretch, I can tell you that. It certainly was. I think the, the most important moment was when Zion Pullen got that steal and Clayton got the layup, and so you had a little bit more breathing room. I don't know. If that if that steal doesn't happen, then I don't know that Florida does go on to win the game. But, yeah, they've got to figure out a way to hold a lead, but you'd much rather be saying that than they've got to get a, or find a way to be able to climb back from these multi-point deficits. Then let me ask you both. You, we were all watching live, right? You were watching yep. live. We were watching live. At any point when Pullen got the steal, kicked it ahead to Samuel, who fed Clayton, did you think he should pull it out, or did you think he should take the lane? No, I was fine to get the two, but I was, was shocked. Yeah. Shocked LSU didn't hack Samuel the second he touched I it. I am too. And because I, that, I mean, at yeah. best is going to be for Florida. Yeah. He makes one of one. the my, two. My one thought was he did the exact right thing because it's an easy two, never give up two. The other thought was he's such a good free throw shooter. If he dribbles it around for five or six seconds, he gets fouled and then makes the two. But they're not as automatic as a layup. So the, so the layup was the right – you know what I mean? It ran, yeah. it ran, it ran through my mind. Right. And Golden thought he got fouled. So yeah, it really yeah. could have been an and right. one. Yeah. And now it's a three-point But, but play. it ran through my mind. Is he better off – I guess when it's that automatic, you take the points. You know, because the, the, the free throws aren't automatic. Right. Even though you'd have run some clock. For people that don't know what happened, let me take you through it. Florida is up a point. LSU's got the ball 20 seconds left, and they Florida steals it. And so we're tw- right at 20. So – he could have dribbled it around for five or six seconds, shot the free throws with 13 or 14 seconds, but he might have missed them. The layup he wasn't going to miss. Now, he scored so quickly, and Florida was so worried about the Florida didn't want to foul on an and one, so they just let the guy have the layup. They should have defended a little better than that. So they let the guy have the layup, So, uh, but they wound up winning the game, so we'll certainly talk about that. We'll talk some college basketball, a lot of other college basketball. Talk some NFL, talk a little hardball. The um, defensive coordinators in the news today – Spags got an extension, a well-deserved one, if ever there was a well-deserved one. Ryan Nielsen, the Jags' new defensive coordinator, will speak tomorrow. So it got me thinking, who are the best ones ever? Best defensive coordinators at both the college and the pro realm. Who stands out? Whose work as a D coordinator jumps off the page for you? I would say at the college level, Mickey Andrews would be very high. Uh, um, uh, Venables. Venables, uh, Foster, yeah, yeah, Bud 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 Foster. Foster, I would say Bob Uh, Stoops before he became Bob Stoops and Jim Levitt shared that job at Kansas State before Florida hired Stoops. We'll get to we'll go through some of those and a lot of NFL names as well. So a lot of fun stuff to do. So we'll kind of go through. So we got a lot to do. We do want to thank you for joining us on a Wednesday. Lee Smith joins us in about twenty minutes. We'll talk some football. We'll I'm going to ask Hayes what his expectations are from Ryan Nielsen tomorrow, and then on tomorrow's show what you thought uh, from meeting him. I will tell you this: uh, he is. 
He's a highly regarded dude now. This is a guy that a lot of people respect. A lot of people think uh, the Jags got to, got a plum when they got this guy, and you'll get to meet him up close and personal tomorrow. I'm going to try and get by there as well. But again, we got our baseball starts here at 11 o'clock tomorrow, and uh, uh, well, our staff's doing about everything. You know, we're, we're, we're Lauren looked at me. She goes, "What happened to your wrist?" I got this cut on my wrist because I'm because I'm very manly, and I did, we, we're out here doing some manly work because manly people do manly work and get manly cuts on their manly body parts is what happens, Hayes. I have no idea where I got that, but I got it somehow doing manly work is what happened. So, um, so, so. I mean, we'll, it's a it's a slight, you know, thing. It's it's, it's not twenty eight like stitches. Gash <laughs> it's over here. Twenty. Well, you did ask though. You I did, did ask. You yeah, said like, you said how you you said how do you wrong? You said you she had, no. She asked before the show. She said how did you get the twenty eight stitches? And is it true you almost lost your arm? And I said I said yes. It was shark it, attack it, off. It was it was true. Oh, yeah, I, I yeah. heard she killed a grizzly bear yeah, with well, your bare hands. Well, and who knew grizzlies were out here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, of all the things you wouldn't have expected, grizzlies. Yeah. I mean, imagine my surprise. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Ryan Nielsen, the expectations. Lee Smith joins us after that. Uh, we'll talk some Gator hoops from last night. We'll update you on the walk-off charities, baseball and softball. We're really glad you're here with us today. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Frank Franzi, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks. J.J. LaSelva making it all happen for about an hour. How about that? Out of the bullpen. That's awesome. He got his eight. He didn't even warm up in the bullpen. Came out here on the mound, got his eight, and ready to go. What's up, J.J.? I don't believe in stretching. No. It's, stretching you know, there. something that was probably created by some witch doctor years ago. Yes, it's absolutely. Wait till you hit 40, J.J. <laughs> <laughs> Your philosophy yeah. on stretching will change. Now, now, old people, we never stretch because we weren't told to. We just wish we had. I think it's probably more that. So, um. JJ will be sitting in until RJ, RJ's on assignment uh, for, for the moment, but he'll be with us in uh, uh, shortly. And JJ, thank you for sitting in uh, in the interim. Um, Ryan Nielsen tomorrow. Any expectations? What do, what do you think? I mean, I mean, we don't know because we don't know him. Right. But but you know, I'm I'm glad they're doing it. And I'm glad I am he's, too. I'm yeah. Glad I mean, to meet him. I'm looking forward to it. I would imagine uh, he'll he'll play the you know cards pretty close to the vest. Yeah. Uh, he he can't be worse than Mike Caldwell, who basically never said anything interesting <laughs> in two years. So I. Uh, you know, I, I think it will be interesting to hear what what Ryan has to say about just really the process of uh, you know his his thoughts on the Jaguars and uh, you know options that he had and uh, and and why Doug and 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 why this team and then as you go through it, you know, I mean, he's gonna. I'm curious. I know he's watched the film 150,000 times from this past season, so I'm curious to see if he's willing to say that in his impressions or if he's going to be like, ah, you know, sometimes coaches, even though it's not true, they'll be like, you know, I, I want a clean slate. So I haven't really watched anything, which I know. It, I mean, obviously we know right. that's not true, but, right. um, but anyway, so I am curious to see if, uh, you know, how he approaches it and what he's willing to reveal and, and what he isn't. I mean, you know, I think in terms of, uh, you know, what did you see out of the defense last year that you liked? What didn't you like? And, uh, you know, just from a schematic standpoint, you know, Trent Baalke has said the scheme's going to look different. So maybe he can speak to that because, you know, the GM is, is acknowledged that publicly. Uh, I'm really interested in hearing his vision for Trayvon Walker. Uh, so, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff we could get to. Just does he have the right corners? You know, I mean, th- again, stuff that I don't know how much he's going to go into on, but, it, it, you know, hopefully we'll get, you know, some good nuggets of, of insight from him and, 
uh, you know, and, and get an impression of where this thing is headed. Yeah, I do get the sense that all the questions that are going to be asked that we all want to know the answers to about scheme and players and things like that, he's going to be like, you know, I, I haven't gotten to be, to be around these guys yet. Doug and I still have conversations to be had about scheme. You know, there's so much more to go. So then it's like, okay, well, what can you tell us almost, like, from your time here so far? Moments like this, at least for me, are not really about anything he says, but about how he says it. Uh, the, the old adage, we, we, you would cover games back in the day, the two loudest guys on the practice field are the offensive line coach and the defensive coordinator. Those are the yellers. Those are the, those are the passionate guys. And I got a hunch he's going to – I got a hunch there's going to be an energy about him. I got a hunch he's going to be one of these guys that even while meeting with the media, after hearing from him, you're going to want to – Let's go play. You know what I mean? I, I got a hunch. So I think what I'm going to watch the closest and listen for the closest and be the most excited about is is when he's talking, how you know how how much of that is there? How much excitement? How much enthusiasm? Is is he a guy that you're gonna that, that you'll almost want to run through the wall right now, you know, when you hear him. So because I think that the great defensive coordinators, hey, that's what they are, man. That the, listen. You got to be smart. You got to be a good X's and O's guy. You have to have a good feel for what you're doing. That that's a big part of it. But I also think part of this whole thing is, can you get him to play? I've always believed the most important thing. I'll never forget Mickey Andrews used to say this. Mickey Andrews, he would he would always say one of his big gripes were he thought people over he thought defensive coordinators overcoached. He thought they overcoordinated. He thought they overplay called. He thought the most important thing for a defensive coordinator to do was let your guys play. He said there's a, the old adage is there's a very fine line, very fine line between a scared player and a confused player. The old line is a confused player and a coward. Well, no one playing football is a coward, but I know what they mean. If, if you look tentative, did you not want to engage or were you not sure how you were supposed to engage? And, and the best defensive coordinators that I've ever been around, they took that out of play. They made sure their players knew exactly what to do. There was no confusion. There was no palms up. You know what palms up are? You ever see a player? You ever see defensive players looking at the sideline? The worst. If you, if you're a fan, yeah, I've watched the University of Florida. Okay, okay. Defense. If you're if you're a fan, if there's one thing you don't want from your defensive players when they look at the sideline, is palms up. The palms up is it's the worst thing in football. Yeah. Because that means I don't know the play. What's right. the play? What's the so so the best defensive coordinators will never have palms up. And they, they communicate, and there's enthusiasm. But I'm, if you remember this, those Mickey Andrews defenses, Florida State defense in the 90s, they might have blitzed once in a while. But when you remember Daryl Bush and you remember uh, uh, Derek Brooks and you remember all the Marvin Jones, do you ever remember rushing the passer? Not much. Almost never. I mean, if, if, you, if you think back in your mind of the big plays that those guys all made, they weren't blitzed, they weren't in the backfield. They were lighting up a receiver coming over the middle, right? Or they were tracking down a running back, or they were not or intercepting a pass. But it wasn't in the backfield because Mickey didn't blitz, man. He said, "I let me tell you what I got. You got all these exotic play schemes. You know what I got? Renard Wilson and Peter Bulware and Andre Wadsworth and Derek Alexander and on and on. I got. I don't need to be exotic. What I need is to make sure they play as hard as they can, loose and free as they can, and to make sure they're not even remotely confused." And I'll bet you get a lot of that from my, my gut tells me that I don't know what his scheme's going to be. I don't know how much he's going to blitz. I, I like a bl- aggressive uh, coordinators in the NFL. 
But I'll bet he's going to be a good communicator. I'll bet those guys are going to know what they're doing. I guess that's kind of the point. Yeah, I would agree on the energy component. I think he's going to convey that tomorrow. Um, it seems like that's kind of the reputation is that he's a fiery guy in practice. And, and so I, I'm sure that'll be, you know, something that he'll want to convey. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I look, I, I, I'm just I'm glad we have the opportunity. And, again, in a, a couple weeks we'll – uh, get a chance to talk with Doug and, and Trent up in uh, Indianapolis. They'll meet with reporters and uh, at, at the podium, and, and then I think join you, which will be great. And yeah. uh, you know, and so I think in uh, you know we'll learn more about the direction of where the organization is headed over the next couple of weeks. But uh, but yeah, I mean I I mean there's a there's a lot of storylines to this defense. I mean, th- how do you get you know Devin Lloyd to a higher level? You know, what are you going to do at nickel? Because Trey Herndon doesn't look like he's a fit. Um, yeah. You know and so, uh, you know, they're, they're, what are you going to do about supplemental pass rush? You know, yeah. you got Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, and, you know, they're outstanding as a, as a, as a tandem. Right. But you got nothing behind them of consequence. So, yeah. I mean, you know, those are, those are all be things that, uh, you know, we'll see. It's, it's, it's his right to answer or not answer, but he's certainly going to be asked. Yeah, my guess is, Lauren, he's not, to your point, he's not going to talk a lot about personnel because he doesn't know yet. And here's your point about how, what he's watching and hasn't watched. So I don't think there'll be a lot of conversations about personnel, who's good at what. He'll pro- he will be asked about Josh Allen, and he'll tell you how, how good he thinks Josh is. I have no doubt about that. But I will say the one personnel question that I think he is going to have to answer, even if he doesn't know it yet, is what about extra pass rushers? Hey, Coach, I know you just got here. I know you don't know the personnel. I know you haven't coached any of these guys yet. But there weren't a lot of pass rushers after Josh Allen and, and then Trayvon. What do you feel about that? And his answer is going to be, we haven't talked personnel yet. Uh, we've had some meetings. It's inappropriate for me to talk about our existing players before I've coached them. I get all that. that that's, what he, that's what he's going to say, and quite frankly, it's what he should say. But I think that's a question he's going to get asked a bunch. I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get asked about pass rush. Not as much about nickel and, and, and inside linebacker, but don't you sense he's, that's a pass rusher or a specific pass rusher? I think will be part of, the, part of the question and answer. I do. It certainly will, and that all – kind of goes into the bucket of what is your identity as a defense or what do you want it to be? We talk all the time about how Trent Baalke said the offense didn't have an identity. Well, what is Brian Nielsen's ideal identity for his defense? Is it getting after the quarterback and and adding pass rushers, like you said? Uh, Is it changing the scheme? You know, whether he gets into specifics or not, he can still tell us what he wants the identity of his defense to be. Yeah, so 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 we'll we'll see. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. I am excited we get a chance to talk to him. I am excited. Listen, it's a time to talk Jaguars. I, by the way, I did. It, I, we are confirmed that when we do go to the uh, combine, that we will have both Doug and Trent. We'll have them both on Tuesday. We get in on Tuesday. Uh, Lauren's on vacation that week, so Mia and and Hayes and I will be there, and uh, and we'll have a lot of video. Mia will be checking in uh, regularly on prime time. She'll be doing that terrific video work she does, and you'll see an awful lot of stuff on our digital pieces and our social pieces with Mia there. Hazel had the one-on-ones with so many of the prospects and coaches and whatnot, and I'll have one-on-one interviews with Doug. I'll have one-on-one interviews with Trent Baalke. In fact, I don't think either, to your point, I don't think we'll hear from either one of those until I'm able to sit down with those guys there. I think that's kind of the plan. They'll, they'll, do, they'll do their podium thing first, but then they'll come sit with us, and, and I'm looking forward to that. Because, yeah, the beauty of the NFL and the joy of the NFL is it's never out of season, nor should it be. Right, the NFL is never out of season. Yeah, not yeah. in this market. Yeah, it's yeah. not there, for there, sure. There's a little blip, maybe, maybe May and June. There's a bit of a blip, but that's the closest thing to it, I think. Well, you have OTAs in May at least, and, and some a, a little bit in June. I think a, a question too. Uh, this is more combine related, but like 
Your team last year, people thought was this year was going to be potentially a number one overall seed in the AFC. Now you're somewhere 14 through 16 yeah. as far as power poles are concerned. Yeah, yeah. That and, and again, my guess is he won't get into that. He he wasn't he wasn't part of this team last year. I think he wants to be respectful to those who are. So I don't get the sense there's going to be a lot of conversation. We'll see. But I don't get the sense there'll be a lot of conversation about that. So we'll see what winds up happening. But we're looking forward to it. Looking forward to uh, to hearing from him. And, and good, good, good on the Jags for making that happen. Again, even if you just get to know the guy. I, again, I, I may miss my bet on this or my guess on this. But I think he's gonna. It's gonna be fun. I think he's gonna be a good dude. I think. He, I think. I like where I think they're gonna be. I do think there's some missing pieces. Uh, there's not. I think there's clearly some missing pieces. I think we all know that, and I think they've acknowledged that. But I like where I think they're going to be, so it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we do think Lee Smith's on his way here. Lee has not been to this ballpark before, so Lee, if you're listening, we hope you're headed this way. If not, we'll track Lee down by phone. But we think Lee's going to stop by the ballpark, talk a little Players Championship. He's the executive director of the Players. He joins us once a week. Now until the time they tee it up on that Thursday. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to the program. Glad you're with us on a Wednesday live from uh, the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball and Softball Classic on an absolutely gorgeous day here at the Bregan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Field. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks on location. Our buddy Lee Smith has walked up from the players. I- I'm glad you found us. He'll find it. He'll find it. How are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually got here. I pulled in <laughs> just a couple of wrong turns, but okay. all, good. all good. Good to see Your first time to see all this. This is awesome. What a, yeah. what a facility. This is uh you know, a lot of my best sporting memories are are, are playing baseball. Is that right? And, yeah, we, we a facility all like this would be awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We didn't play on this, did we? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. <laughs> we didn't play on these. We were raking the field before yeah, we yeah. Uh, before <laughs> we went out, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny about that. So we had rain. We, Jacksonville does not have artificial turf fields like this until this one. So on Monday night, we had Pontevedra playing Bishop Snyder, two great pitchers. Aiden King's on his way to Florida. Matt Hogue's on his way to Florida State. It was, I mean, two of the best prospects around. And it rains like crazy. It's just, it's just the, the downpour. Well, it rained for about 30 minutes. We delayed. had a lightning delay, so they stopped for about an hour. After that, went out and played. There's no rakes. Yeah. No shell. Remember, yeah. remember, you oh, remember yeah. the raking days? Oh, yeah. You'd rake forever over the puddles, and so, so <laughs> we were able to do this. But I will tell you this. A lot of what, what people see out here, and I've been saying this all week, is, is because of a lot of help from people in the private sector, and the player is a big part of that, and so and I and I, and I know I know you know that we were yep. talking about it right before we came on. So I I'm greatly appreciative uh, to Matt, to Jared, and to you, and all the people that have supported that. So we're excited about that. Well, awesome organization, and we're we're happy to be a part of it, and look forward to to being a part of it for uh, many years to come. Well, well, I appreciate that, Lee, very much. We're I'm excited about golf. JT just had an ace. Tiger's on. I've seen video of Tiger. Uh, the blood's boiling a little bit. It's got to be for you too, right? Absolutely. We're uh, we're we're excited for uh, Tiger to be healthy every time he takes yeah, a swing, yeah. and uh, after every round, and uh, you know, uh, taking footsteps on his every word at uh, press conference afterwards, because you know we hope he'll be asked a certain few questions that uh, may tip his hand a little bit. And we're hoping. We're hoping. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it, it seems it seems like the good thing about Tiger is he doesn't come back. Until he's 100%. Now, to your point, how long is he going to stay there? But uh, but looking at the, the swing, and, and you can speak more of this, the, the club head speed, the, the driving distance, it seems like he's he's in good form at least uh, for, for having such a long layoff. Well, when you certainly compare it to, to 
a couple of times when we saw him in the past. Uh, His gait looks to be, you know, much smoother. Um, Obviously, his golf swing, I agree, Hayes, he's he's still got the speed. Um, And we know his mental acuity is above and beyond uh, everybody else. That's got to be still there. So it's uh, exciting to see where he has to knock the rust off, you know, short game, those those types of things. But um, it'll be fun to see him play. It's fun to see him be healthy after, uh, you know, hopefully after 72 holes. Is the worst weather for the stadium course super windy? Is that when the players really feel like it's incredibly more challenging? I th- absolutely, absolutely. If it's, uh, you know, if it's soft and super windy, um, you know, that's where we all like to, yeah. to see it played because then they – hit a few shots maybe where we would uh, tend to hit them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, I think when the wind swirls, some of those delicate shots, especially around 17 in the hospitality venues, and you see the flag on the green blowing downwind, and you throw up grass and it's blowing into the wind, and you're thinking, you know, how the heck am I going to play this shot? Lee, and I'm probably getting in the weeds a little bit here, but you can, you can tell it on a way more layman term than I can. But tell us the difference in grass – made a march is it an overseed thing is it all bermuda afterwards how does and i don't explain it very well but explain what how it's different yeah probably to keep it as as simple as possible is there's warm season grasses and cool season grasses okay and when you play typically courses in the south will have warm season grass which is typically bermuda and as you go uh you know north it'll transition to where the best grass for our best playing season is a warm season grass, and then there's kind of a line of demarcation to yeah. where it's a cool season grass. <clears throat> when you hear um, courses talk about overseeding, yeah. basically what they do is they go through all of their hot months with that warm season grass, then they close down for uh, a period of time and plant a cool season grass into the bed of that warm season grass, which then uh, forces a transition where it kind of uh, – the uh, Bermuda grass or the warm season grass yeah. dies off, and the uh, uh, and the cool season grass takes over, and that's ultimately what we play on in March. Okay, so the March is the more the cool season yes. grass. So, okay, yep. and so but if it was in May, they'd be full Bermuda. Little, you know, it's it's y- yes, but it's a little yeah. it's a little dicey, Frank, because May is kind of a tweener yeah, you're right. you're month, right. yeah, and and it's not as much the week that you're playing on it; it's the growing season into it. So you would have March and April, which is a little bit yeah. cool that you want your your turf to be, um, you know, at its healthiest. Now, January and February, I mean, the, the ryegrass that's uh, around the golf course really loves these temperatures. Does it, dumb question, but does it play different? Does it spin different or is it all the same? Yeah, no, it's, it's um, you know, when you tend to, let's, let's use greens as an example. Um, you know, one trick for, for amateur players, when you play on Bermuda grass greens, when you step up to the hole, there's grain, a lot more grain on Bermuda grass yeah. greens, which Bermuda grows and lays over, tends to grow towards water. But when you go and check the cup, you can always see one of the edges is rougher uh. than another edge that is much sharper. And that's when that grass kind of lays over uh, and falls yeah. into the cup with people's hands, uh. knocking it off, and tend it. the grain tends to be going away from where that rough edge yeah. of the – of the cup is just for help and then bent grass yeah you know I, there's there's not much better putting surface than a pure bent grass surface and that's with the fans and uh and the, the whole yep. thing yep. and, and taking care of baseball fields forever like i've done we overseed in the winter 
just because we want it green. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't no. always, it really doesn't change how it plays any. Yeah, you just don't want it. You don't, you don't want it to look dormant. You want it to look green. Yeah, that's and th- and that's part of it from yeah. from yeah. a golf standpoint too. Frank yeah. is is the aesthetics. Yeah, you know, playing on a dormant brown Bermuda fairway in the right. winter, um, you know, just doesn't have the contrast right. Right. that you know a, a a really lush green fairway does. So what what do you do with the course in terms of maintenance between now and in a month from today, is is it open for play or is it shut down? When do the players that will be competing, when do they have access to it to come out and, and start getting a, a sense of it? Yeah, we, we close about four weeks in advance. So we've, we're open for another four or five days. Um, and, and agronomically, uh, we'll get into the really fine details. You're talking about ball marks on the greens, divots in the fairways, um, <clears throat> you know, the short game collection areas where balls tend to, uh, gravitate towards or roll into that that those will be maintained at a much higher level um, and then we kind of level it as far as access so the first uh, first couple weeks were closed um, players that are in the field and their guests have have access to the golf course if they happen to be in town or local then uh, there's a week where it's players in the field only and then there's a week where there's absolutely no play uh, and then it builds right into the tournament are there any levels of tickets that are already sold out, for instance, Benefactor or things like that? Yeah, we've got um, you know quite a few of our uh, hospitality um, venues uh, are sold out, which we're certainly excited about. Our uh, military tickets um, and the, the complimentary tickets that we have for uh, active military and even the veteran discounted tickets are uh, sold out, I think with the exception of one day. Um, so the military has has really been excited about that program once again, um, but we still have you know like that intercoastal club. We mm-hmm. still have the the stadium pass tickets each day that um, you know have some availability and um, you know any type of announcement from uh, from from L A could certainly expedite <laughs> yeah, yeah. expedite that yeah. type of thing. We, we, we're looking for an announcements are great. Yeah. <laughs> we love annou- we love announcements. The um, I will say this. I said this before you got here. Of all, and I love this because it's our event. I mean, this we embrace the players too. This is our event. We live here, man. This is we're proud of this. Yep. You know, we we I've I've said this before about the players. Lee, Jack, I grew up in Jacksonville, and I love this city. I'd never live anywhere else, but it has had an inferiority complex over the years. We don't have Disney. We don't have South Beach. We uh, Jacksonville's looked at as North, South Georgia and, and like over the years. But God dang it, we've got the players. And even before we had the Jaguars, we had the players, and we're proud of that. And we're proud that it's never going to be anywhere else. So. And what I've noticed, and I believe this, is even with all the controversy is the wrong word, but but the questions going on in golf. We, we talked about mm-hmm. it when we were, were yep. with you between PIF and LIV and, and who's doing what and new investment structures. The players hasn't lost any momentum, has it? No. Around, not, not one iota of momentum, and that is a very cool thing. Absolutely, and I think that's, a, as you said, Frank, that's a, a testament to the community. Uh, and really the ownership and the passion that that Jacksonville and this five-county northeast Florida area uh, has in embracing the Players' Championship and the PGA Tour. You yeah. know, to to have a major sport uh, headquartered in your home, yeah. you know, uh, and in your hometown, that's a pretty cool thing um, here locally. But, uh, you know, from, from volunteers to uh, the business leaders and, and the, the corporate entities that, that participate – to ticket purchasers, to the restaurants that are activated. It's just, you know, it is really a neighborhood thing um, because all the entities activate and, and really have a passion for this event. And we don't see that changing anytime soon. 
Lee, I don't want to be like Kyle Shanahan. I want to be prepared. So <laughs> remind me, if it goes to a playoff, how does the Players' Championship settle a playoff? Yep, it's a three-hole aggregate playoff, um, which is which is fun because we get to start on 16-T, uh, and we play all three holes. It doesn't, uh, you know, it's not sudden death right away. So we play all three holes and add them up. Um, and uh, and then after that, we'll go to a uh, sudden death uh, yeah. playoff after that. And that goes back to 16? I believe it goes to 17. That's first. It goes to 17. Yeah. I, I can remember when, when Ricky Fowler won. I don't know if you guys remember this or not. Ricky Fowler won. Didn't he birdie it three times? He yeah. stiffed three yeah. times. Like yeah. He half. stiffed it three times. Yeah. I mean, three yeah. times. It's got that back right. That, that, that Everyone knows the Sunday pin. Yeah. Lee, he stiffed it three times. I, I, I remember every shot. It was amazing. You know, there's a funny story about that with our, our sales team. Uh, a couple of our sales team last year were walking around the, the 17th fairway and come across the big bridge at the Nicholas Gate. There yeah. was a recurring vo- voiceover that was yeah. Dan Hicks. Who right. who owns the 17th? Right. Ricky yeah. Fowler owns right. the 17th right. green. And so it's 530 in the morning. It's dark. And our sales team is walking around the tournament. Obviously, I wasn't here, but they told me this story. They're walking around, and they're making fun of having heard that for the <laughs> nine millionth time right, for right. the week. And uh, one of them asked the other, who owns the, eight, who owns the 17th green or who owns the right, island right. green? And the other guy goes, Ricky Fowler owns the <laughs> island green. And it just so happens Ricky walks around. Oh. It's like 5.36 in the morning. It's dark. Oh. He walks around the corner to do a, an NBC hit. Uh, out there at their studio, and these guys are apologizing. <laughs> we didn't mean anything bad by it. We didn't mean it anything bad good by thing. it. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. All right, we've talked agronomy. We've talked golf. I want to talk food. Do you get to sample everything that the players will be serving? Absolutely. I get I, – I, She uh, gets the good I've, questions. Yeah, though. absolutely. She gets the good questions. I get uh, – I ask for uh, some uh, some players' bucks to get loaded onto my phone <laughs> so that <laughs> I can go and, uh, and nibble at all the restaurants. It is um, – you know, Lauren, that it is a fun thing to be able to um, bring back certainly the favorites like Mini Bar and, and Taco Lou and V's Pizza and, and those types of things. Um, but at the same time, you know, now over the summer and, and the fall that I've been here is spot out new opportunities and new restaurants that uh, that may want to engage. Top Dog Tavern is, is one of the new ones that's going to activate out at the players. It's, it's really important to us. As much as the community activates out there, that they see all the food spots that they would see 365 days a year, see them activated out on the on the grounds of the players, and you know not force them to go to a concession stand, but you know go to stuff that they know. Very cool. Before we let you go um, and do it, we got a giveaway coming we sure up. Do. We need you to pick a number in a minute. Before we do that, um, are there any young players you have your eye on? Anybody got your attention? Is there a new Sam Burns out there that that, that has your attention as we get as the season is now kind of underway? Um, you know, a couple of those college kids that okay. have that have recently come out. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned one, uh, Adrian uh, Dumont de Chassart, or I, I, yeah. I messed his name right. up. Yeah, um, at, you know, out of Illinois, that won on the Corn Ferry That's Tour. Right. I think That's in his right. first start. Um, you know, to me, learning how to win is is important. Yeah, and when somebody like that comes and wins on the Corn Ferry Tour, um, certainly you can't mention young players without Ludwig. Uh, a bear. I mean, yeah, yeah. the the as as big as he is, as long as he hits it, and as well as he puts it, you know, yeah. how does that career not not turn positive? And um, you know, and it looks like some of those players are going to 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 be in our event um, as it's shaping up. So, 
you know, young players are, are excited uh, to be here. Yeah. But, you know, this course, if, if it does – favor anything it it tends to favor people that know their way around here. that's right was, um that's you know right. that uh it it may not favor a style but it kind of favors experience more than anything and, um and you know with some of our winners over time and we've seen that over the winners no question what do we got what are we giving away we have a pair of tickets to the first official round that would be the thursday round right. and a 25 dollars gift certificate to taco lou nice. nice. and we're going to the thursday round number between one and ten I'm gonna. I picked two last time. I'm gonna go six. Number six. All right. Caller six. It's six four one ten ten. Caller number six. Six four one ten ten. You're going to the Thursday round. Tickets for two and taco. That's a pretty good Thursday there. Now you get the Thursday You're round welcome. and taco loop. That's a pretty good day. Lee Smith, the executive director of the players. Hey man, we'll see you every Wednesday. Thanks for staying. Thanks for coming out here to the ballpark. Absolutely, we this is beautiful. That. Thank uh, you. I appreciate it. Lee Smith from the Players Championship. More in a moment from the Bregan Baseball Complex after this on ten ten XL and ninety two point five FM. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carly, and Lauren Brooks with you on this uh, Wednesday installment of the program. Thanks to our buddy uh, Lee Smith for stopping by. What a good guy he is, and he certainly uh, will be a very, very good leader for that Players' Championship. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Talking golf, really knows golf, too, the world of golf. And I appreciate him explaining the whole the difference in the kinds of grass, as Jerry yeah. has explained to us in the past as well. Lee certainly understands that very well. So cert- we certainly appreciate him taking the time to, to, to kind of take us through that and, and, and discuss it with us. The... Um, uh, and he's excited. He's excited about it. he'll be a really good leader. You know, they've had, Matt Rapp was really good. Jared Rice was really good. They've had really good leadership. Lee Smith's going to be a good leader for that. You, you can tell they got the right guy there. You, you, you feel that, don't you? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, his knowledge of the game is so strong and his enthusiasm uh, is, is so apparent. So, yeah, it's, I, it, the, the players is in great hands as it always has been. And, you know, I, I think it'll be fun to see it grow and, uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful tournament this year. I'm really excited about the field. Uh, he talked a little bit about some of these up-and-coming players. And, I mean, it's – I don't know that there is a sport in the world that has so many great up-and-coming players like golf because everybody plays it. And, it, and everybody can play it. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a remarkable uh, tournament. I'm sure we're going to have some great drama. And you almost have to because of how it's set up. Uh, you'd have to have about a five-shot lead going to 17 to feel really good about it on Sunday. It's crazy that the repeat winner conversation, you know, is always going to be out there. If there was ever a year for a repeat winner, it's this year with Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that guy it feels like makes the top ten at every single tournament he plays in. So it feels like that's certainly where it could be, where it could land this year. If he putts, he's almost yeah. unbeatable. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, I mean, he, that's the thing. That's the thing, but yeah, uh, but I can I can just feel the enthusiasm here in Lee talking. By the way, I do get the sense there's a chance Tiger Woods plays. Yeah, I, there's no way of knowing. Yeah. We don't know. We, we'd be guessing. We shouldn't be guessing yes or no. But I do get the sense that there's a real possibility of that. Well, he's such a a student of the game, and while I think he, you know, I, I the Players' Championship is is obviously still fairly new when particularly when you compare it to, you know, the, you know. British Open and the Masters and U.S. Open, but but it does have uh, uh, an incredible history and it's got an incredible future. And Tiger Woods, I think, being a two-time winner of the event, 
uh, and and the PGA Tour meaning a little more, uh, I think, than in, you know maybe it has to the players in the last couple of years because of the the threat of the mm-hmm. Saudis mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 how powerful that's been. And uh, so I think this is a, a badge of honor. It's to, it's it's a huge anniversary uh, to honor the signature event on the PGA Tour. And if I would imagine if a two-time champion is is healthy enough to play that he will play. Yeah, and, and, and I think this, too. I, I, I think this, too. You said it, and I said it to Lee. This thing has almost gained momentum. They've done such a good job marketing it, such a magnificent job of marketing it locally. And nationally, it, 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 it's always going to be respected the way it is. I honestly believe this thing has as much momentum as it has had Ever. Don't you get that sense? I do, and I think it really – I wasn't a fan of it moving to March. But I will say I think there is something, too. It's the first real major event of the golf calendar. And, and look, I mean, CBS has been promoing the Masters now for two or three weeks. So I think, you know, you're getting kind of excited. You're getting introduced to golf season is approaching. Uh, major championship golf season is approaching. And the player sort of kicks that off because other than just not having the title of major, it is a major event. There is nothing about the player's championship that is not major championship golf other than the fact it just doesn't have the label. And so I do think that it, it's – I think it's helped the players because it sort of launches into uh, a five-month stretch where there is just a, a fantastic event each month. Yeah, and I think Tiger does want to play in the players, but there's also the Arnold Palmer close to it, so I feel like that's what he's deciding between. But either way, yeah, I think from a a national scale, Frank, as soon as football ends, everyone goes, oh, yeah, college basketball's on. And and for the NASCAR crowd, the Daytona 500's this weekend. But for a lot of people, it's golf. Okay, now that football's over, the golf calendar is now something I'm paying attention to. And uh, I feel like the players is an elite golf course, it's an elite hospitality and environment and experience, but it doesn't have the snootiness that maybe some golf tournaments have. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll say this to that end. In this market, in this market, realistically, after football, we're golf fans. Now, listen, that doesn't mean we're not basketball and baseball fans, but in this market, there's an awful lot of golf following. And, 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 I, think, and I think the history of the tournaments in Jacksonville have caused that. Uh, the GJO before. I mean, I went to the GJO with my dad. I, I mean, I, I and the GJ and I can tell you the GJO was a big deal back in the day. I mean, the the Greater Jacksonville Open. I went to it when it was at Deerwood. Before that, it was at Selva. Mm-hmm. It was at it was um, Hidden Hills, right? Went in Hidden Hills, I think. I know it was at Selva, the old Selva, way back in the day, which is where Atlantic Beach Country Club is now. I know it was there, and it was at Deerwood because I went there. I went to I, I attended one when I was a little kid with my dad. And I can remember when it came to when the players came here at Sawgrass. And the players' championship was the 50th year, but not the 50th year in Jacksonville. It was in Atlanta. It was in South Florida. And then it was certainly at, at Sawgrass before. So I, I, the point is that heritage and that amount of years here and what a big deal it's been here in 82 when the stadium was built and Jerry Pate jumped in the water and Pete Dye and I, I think Dean Beeman creating it, who lived here and the tour was – I think that that's created the momentum that we have in Jacksonville about that magnificent event. I really believe that. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, it certainly helps that it's played at the same stadium course every year. 
so the casual fan remember oh yeah this is the you know i mean it's it's not like the us open pga that bounces around the british open bounces around uh you know so i think having a, a fixed home uh for so long has really helped it and and again it's just i mean it's it's just it's a magnificent field uh it's 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 the best field year in and year out it's for the most money uh it's 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 got everything i mean it, it's 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 got everything that you would want in a major championship. And again, I, I kind of hoped that with it being the anniversary, because all it takes is the PGA Tour just saying, this is now a major. I mean, no one, who's going to stop it? Right. I mean, you might get a couple days of backlash from, you know, know-it-all analysts and experts that are like, oh, this is, you know, how can you just do it? It's the PGA Tour, and it's their signature event. And, and tell me why I agree. it isn't a major. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, I don't care either way. I mean, I'd, I'd, it'd be great if, if it – but I just if, – if I was in charge of the PGA Tour, I would say this is now a major. Who, who is going to deny us that? Right. And, and go from there, and if particularly you don't like, with it being the you're, you're old anyway. Shut up. If you don't like it, you don't like it. So, but, I, but I agree with you. Do an update you on the baseball and the softball. Uh, Ed White and Jackson have just begun playing. Uh, two teams from the Gateway Conference, they play today. And then two more posts. It's all public school teams today. Ed White and Jackson today. Baldwin and Inglewood tonight. That's on the baseball side. On the softball side, Providence and Sandalwood are underway. That's uh, to our very left. And then Hilliard and Fletcher right after that. So uh, a lot of uh, public school teams, uh, all public school teams except for Providence, both on the baseball and the softball side. And it's a glorious day. I, weather's funny because because I can tell you, Hazen is in standard shorts and he's got a sweatshirt on. But I will tell you that <laughs> Lauren and I, okay, and we didn't we didn't collaborate on this, okay. But I will tell you that Lauren and I are dressed to hunt polar bear in Antarctica. Okay. The polar bear would have no chance. Okay. Let me just tell you this. We would, we would be hunting polar bear in Antarctica and sweating. Yeah. And we're out here today and it's about 65 degrees and not a cloud and no wind. It's the same temperature yeah. right yeah. now as it was yesterday. Yeah, the, 64 yesterday but it when I told you and it's but 64 it was, today. But it's such a mild wind. But it was freezing because yesterday. Of the wind. It was yeah. overcast. Because of the wind. wind. Yeah. And out here, I mean, again, I'm going to take the next segment off. I'm just going to lay out back here. Okay, I'm going to take. It's going to take about 20 minutes to take all these clothes off. Okay, so. Uh, but it I'm is wearing a- boots that you would wear in the snow. <laughs> That's how prepared I was. I got on long johns. I admitted it. Lauren, Lauren said. Lauren said earlier. She said Brian told her. She said I may wear long johns, and and Brian kind of said to her. Lauren, don't be ridiculous. It's it's Florida. It's 65 degrees. You don't need long johns. And I said to Lauren, I said. I can't believe you would even consider Long John, Lauren. And then I showed Monk. Okay, so, so we thought it was good. It was, it was, yesterday it was cold. I mean, when I was done doing the show yesterday, I was cold, cold. Yeah, it took took my feet probably yes. a good half hour yes. to finally, like, de-thaw. Yeah, and, and today it's spectacular. And today it's, like, picture it's, up. It's, it's, I brought a sweatshirt, a beanie, a jacket, and a blanket today <laughs> <laughs> because I was so concerned after yesterday, and I only so, had two hours out here with y'all. So what the point we're making is you ought to come out. It <laughs> is gorgeous. truly gorgeous. It is really gorgeous We're a bathing today. suit. You can yeah. lay out. <laughs> it's really good. It's a, it's a gorgeous day out here today, and we're so proud to have it. Let me do, I do want to tell you about there's been some change in the schedule. I told you at the top. We were going to do. We have now as gorgeous as it is today, and will be tomorrow and Friday. 
we are told that the rain is really coming on Saturday. I think JU changed their weekend schedule. JU's having a, a doubleheader on Friday at two and six p.m. and then one game on Sunday because of the weather. Okay, yeah. so the, so the, so they have the same thing. So the, the, it's really going to hit on Saturday. Well, these teams, these two games are really important to them. the The way the FHSAA works is these are practice, they're exhibition games. You're allowed to play two. You're only allowed to play twice, which is why both in baseball and softball. We have set up three four-team pools. So, so in your pool, you, you play the four, there's four teams in the pool. You play each other, and the way we do this is, whichever team wins, that the two teams that win on the first game, they play for the championship, and the two teams that lose, they play too. So, so you can only play the two games. Well, if there's rain on Saturday, high schools aren't allowed to play on Sunday. So, if there's rain on Saturday, they lose the game, and they all want to get their pitchers work. So we have moved some games. For that reason, we've moved some games around. Typically, there's only going to be one game Thursday in baseball. We've now moved the Pontevedra-Providence game because they both won yesterday, or the first game. So Pontevedra and Providence will now play at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Snyder and Wolfson will play at 4 tomorrow. And the Pontevedra-Providence game that ordinarily would have been at 1 o'clock Saturday is now going to be tomorrow. So there's no 1 o'clock baseball on the baseball side. Also, First Coast and Trinity who both won yesterday, would be playing the 4 o'clock game Saturday. We've moved that to 1 o'clock Friday. The, the schools allow the students to get out to play in Heck that game. yeah. So, so School out early on Friday and baseball and, and baseball. So First Coast and Trinity will play at 1 o'clock Friday and then our regular schedule. So only one baseball game Saturday. We're going to try and get it in. Softball, we're trying. We have two softball fields, two softball-sized fields. So we're going to try and play some softball on th- more softball tomorrow too. Point being – we're going to try and get away from Saturday as much as we can because, again, high schools don't allow you to play Sunday. So if you miss the Saturday games, you don't get to play the games, and the regular season starts next week. So point being, we're trying to move the schedule up. So. UNF also changed their schedule to mm-hmm. the same thing as JU, 2 and 6 on Friday and then 1 p.m. on Sunday. It's going to storm Saturday. Everybody and knows. it might storm Sunday, too. Yeah, They're at least moving the one game on Sunday right. because they can at least get their doubleheader in on Friday. Yeah, so, so I have to put some sod down, put it down maybe Friday afternoon. <laughs> Friday afternoon would <laughs> be good. Saturday, You're gonna not going to need to water on oh, Saturday. Might have to do that. So, so that, that would be your idea. <laughs> Let's take a break. Uh, we'll update you on the baseball and softball, and we'll talk about a nail-biter for the Gators last night in Exact Tech. That's next. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This was plays. I almost want to let it go. And hit, Philip Bailey hit that really high note. You know, Reasons has that high, high, like really high note in it. So, uh, we are glad you are with us for live from the uh, uh, Walk Off Charities High School Baseball and Softball Classics. Uh, two games today, uh, tomorrow, two games, both baseball and softball. Friday, three baseball, and probably three softball again. We're trying to get in as many as we can because we're trying to get away from that awful rain that we all know is coming. I did not realize that you, what you guys just told me. You and F and J, you both change the schedule around to avoid Saturday because it's just going so to be, really be hard to get anything in on Saturday. And again, there's no makeup for these these high school games. So, so there is that. Uh, the Florida Gators won last night. They went up 20 points on LSU, but has been their uh, M.O. They blew, a, uh, they blew a big, big, big lead. So let me tell you how it's kind of gone. For the Florida basketball team, Florida led Kentucky by 11 in the first half in the SEC opener, lost 87-85.
They led Mississippi State by 21 in the second half. The Bulldogs cut the margin to five, but Florida came on, held on to 179-70. They led Georgia by 21 in the second half. Georgia took them to overtime, caught them up. They blew the whole lead. They led Texas A&M on the road by 13 in the second half, lost the game by one. They led Auburn on Saturday by 29 in the second half, 181 to 65. And now they led by 20 last night and blew the entire lead and still came back and won the game. It's a win. But we're all talking more about the blown lead than we are about the fact that they won the game. The good news is if you can get beyond that, they're in a really good place. They're 17-7 and seven overall. They're 7-4 and four in the league. They've won six out of seven. They're going to be favored on Saturday despite being on the road. That's a real, in my mind, given, I think it's going to be a really hard game for them, and I'll get to that. I've been saying that. It's not new. But, Hayes, they're in a really good place, which is the good thing. The bad thing is it's become too much of a pattern. They're doing something wrong because it's not a coincidence anymore that it keeps happening. Well, I think there's a couple uh, things at play. Uh, the 1-3-1 zone is giving Florida problems, and Todd Golden lamented in postgame that he probably hasn't spent enough time on that, that uh, the practices have been more high energy, less about X's and O's, and he said, look, that's going to change. Start. We, he's like, players are off tomorrow, which is today, and Thursday and Friday we're going to work on you know, attacking a 1-3-1 zone because you you, George is obviously going to do it, and uh, why wouldn't you because it's it's been so effective. And so – they're going to have to figure that out. They they have the pieces to figure it out. They they can shoot their way out of it, and uh, obviously it, the one three one is going to make you very vulnerable in the paint. So you go to Samuel, you go to Condon. Uh, Hand Logden doesn't give you much other than just putbacks, but you know I think between Samuel and Condon, so I I think they've got the pieces to figure that out. Clayton even said uh, uh, post game he was like we're we'll we'll we're going to do more film work. You know get ready for it so I think it's that I also think it's fatigue uh Zion Poland was gassed now he made the great steal late but I mean and, and Golden talked about it. you know I'm probably playing him too many minutes uh so that's something that you know uh we'll see if if that gets adjusted I think Poland was on the floor for 35 minutes and so I think they're getting fatigued uh as well I think that's uh, a component to it the other thing too and and this is going to be the Florida Gator season in a nutshell I'm convinced of it it all comes down to uh, Will Richard and Riley Kugel. Florida needs one of those guys to play well. Last night, neither did. Uh, they, they were on the floor for 46 minutes, and they delivered 15 points on 5 of 16 shooting, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Not bad, but not great, considering the, the scoring capability both those guys have. You know you're going to get Pullen, Clayton, Samuel. They're consistent players. And Logden is going to give you a good game here and there. Condon's going to give you a good game here and there. They're reliable players. It's Richard and Kugel. They need one of those two guys to play well. If that happens, they're really hard to beat. Uh, last night, they didn't really have uh, – neither one of them were great, and I think that's why the game got sticky late. I don't follow other college basketball teams as closely as Florida, but I wonder, are there other teams with this same pattern because the team is com- combined, basically it's a combination of guys who have never really played before. And so while, yes, they're starting fast and that's great, are they not able to 
get that killer instinct or, you know, put their foot yeah. on the gas, pedal, whatever cliche you want to use at that juncture of the game, that late second half or midway through the second half, because they haven't played together previously. I don't know if that's if that could be part of it. Got to be a play somehow. But yeah. certainly this yeah. this specific team is not able to when it was 60 to 40 last night, they weren't able to make it. 80 to 55. That, that is not in this team's DNA. A bunch of thoughts. Number one, I, I'm going to go through everything. A lot of stuff you all talked about. Number one, they are a fast-paced t- tempo team that races it up court and, d- and gets its first shot up or a fancy pass up. They've taken way better care of the ball. You can neutralize a team like that when you play that three-quarter court press and, and some sort of a zone defense, whether it's a 1-3-1 one, one, or a 2-3. Why teams don't play them that way the whole game, I don't know. Texas A&M did and won the game. So they clearly, when you play with tempo and someone takes away your tempo, are you still good in the half-court offense? And they have not been. They're lost in that half-court offense. The great teams can do both. They can play fast and beat you. They can play slow and beat you. Florida, when when you slow them down, and that's, that's a thing. That's clearly a thing. The fatigue thing, I never thought about it until people started talking about it. He talked about it, but he's only playing seven guys. Now, he plays uh, Houck more now, which is an eighth. Aberdeen a little bit, which is a ninth. But most of the minutes are those seven guys. And the season's been long. So I think you're more tired now by playing 34 minutes than you would be in November playing 34 minutes. Such a quick turnaround. Yeah, no, no question. So I think fatigue's part of it. But I think the bigger part than both tempo, which I think's in play, and fatigue, which I think's in play, is it's a mindset. I think you're now expe- – once that lead starts frittering, frittering away, you're a little more tight. You miss some shots you ordinarily would make because you're thinking, oh, my God, here we go again. Are we really, really going to – someone asked Todd Golden what was his first thought in the huddle, what do you think his players were thinking, thinking are we really doing this again? And I think it, it, it's self-fulfilling. It, it repeats itself. If you, if you miss enough four-foot putts, you expect to miss the four-foot putt, you go, trust me on this. You think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss the four-foot putt? I was going to ask you how you know Yeah, I, first hand. <laughs> and you know what happens? You miss the four-foot putt. I, and, and, and all in sports. You miss free throws, you start expecting to miss the free throws. And, and I think all that. I think last night fatigue played. There were a lot of play. At the end of the game, the last five minutes, Florida missed some bunnies. Putbacks, balls that rolled in and out, balls that normally miss some free throws. I think last night was fatigue. They just played Saturday. You know? And they went on the same, like, pretty much nine-minute scoring drought against Auburn Correct. in the second half, but it didn't matter because they had yeah. built up such a big lead. And, and I think, and I think well. so I think, I think teams zoning them and three-quarter court pressing them is a factor. I think, it's, I think that's real. I think um, changing their tempo is real. I think fatigue is real. But I think all of it has added up to, in my mind, real tension. Real tension, nervousness, and when you're tense, when you're nervous, you don't play as well. And I think that's really affected them. Having said all that, I like where they are. I'm not sure they're going to win Saturday. But I've been saying that before this. I just, I just think that's, a t- that's one of those games. It's very similar to the A&M at Vanderbilt game last night. Vanderbilt's not better than A&M. But I think Georgia's good enough. And I will say this. Watching the Georgia-Florida game, being at that game in Gainesville, even though Florida had the big lead, you could tell – Georgia matched up with them well. Sometimes it's not who's better. It's how do you match up with the other guy. And you could tell Georgia matched up well with them. It, it felt that way. So I'm not sure they're going to win the game. 
I think they're going to get a 20-point lead, and then and it's going to be nervous <laughs> yeah. late. But Isn't it amazing Georgia hasn't yeah. won since that? They have not I mean, won. Yeah. They lost that game, yeah. too. And you're, you're, but but you're they pl- have, like – I mean, we, I thought that what might kickstart yeah. right. them yeah. and but, give them some – they have collapsed. But you're, they're the worst team in the league. They've, I mean, not, but, but they've yeah. lost five straight. But your read on them was right. You, you, said, you, you said this on the air. You watched them a few times, and they looked pedestrian. You had said that, and you were right. It, it turns out that was correct. They, whether they beat Florida or not – They've fallen off the off the off the off the edge of the world a little bit. So so I, I but I think that's a tough game for Florida. But not just because of all of it. It's a tough game. Now, I mean now, it's yeah, yeah they, they may not be win. a slight favorite yeah, they to may beat not, Georgia. They may not win that game. I will say this, the point you made earlier and it's been all over the internet, there's some truth to this, that okay, now he's got something to challenge him with. Guys, we can't keep doing this. We can't we, we, we fell asleep at the wheel too many times now. That fight and that toughness and that mental toughness that we show for, for 35 minutes or 32 minutes, we can't lose in the last – we can't keep losing that toughness in the last eight minutes. I don't think it's that. I think it's nerves. But I think he certainly – and I think it helps that they played – since Georgia has the whole week off. But by the way, Georgia's got the week off. We saw what happened when Florida had the week off and Auburn came in. We saw what happened when, when A&M had the week off and Florida came in. We've seen that before. Well, now Georgia gets – by the way, did you know they only brought that back this year after four years? Did you realize that? This, I, the last I thought two, it was strange to have a week's off. When the past used to have it, for the last three or four years they didn't give – you played either Tuesday, Wednesday, every week. This year they put the week, the, the, the bye week back in, so to speak. And so, and so Georgia's got that. This, so it's going to be a hard game. But, it's a, but I'm glad Florida played Tuesday and not Wednesday. I guess that's the point. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with, with all of that. And, uh, you know, again, I, I also give LSU credit. I mean, they made everything they looked at. In the and second they did. half. They I mean, I, I do think when you're down 20, Todd Golden talked about this as well. By the way, a lot of people also tweeted out, and this is astonishing to me, Florida's 10 games over 500 for the first time mm-hmm. since 2017. Yeah. 2017. That's incredible. Because wow. that's not that. I mean, you, you, with Florida, but you don't, I mean, Florida being 10 games over 500 in basketball, that's, that's. Yeah, I mean, that seems routine. That doesn't seem like something that, you know, would have would have been years and years and years since it's occurred. Uh, so it's uh, another uh, tip of the hat to Todd Golden there. But I did, it, it, one thing that he said, and, and I th- when you're down 20, the pressure's off. Yeah. And and LSU, that's how they – I mean, they were making everything. They were. I mean, thank God Poland stole the ball. Yeah. Because, I mean, and, and they were sort of due to, to miss the last one because they were shooting 65% for the half. Right. On the road. Uh, so, I mean, some of the credit – I think goes to LSU there. Certainly in the Georgia game, the Melendez kid, I mean, looked like Steph Curry. Uh, so I, I don't think since. I don't think Florida is is very good defensively. But I will say, there's on some of the 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 runs that we've seen teams have, they've just had the right guy get hot, and it's sort of you know translated throughout the whole team and given everybody confidence. So I think it's a good problem to have because. It's the problem starts with Florida building a twenty-point lead, and the fact that they do that consistently, and the arguably the best league in the country, says there's there's obviously something here. They got some good news last night with A and M losing. So again, to get into that top four in the uh, SEC tournament standings, that would be huge. You get the double bye. You're not playing until Friday in the quarterfinals, so that's certainly in play. Auburn, South Carolina is tonight. Uh, if you're looking for a game to watch, that should be outstanding. Those two teams are uh, right at the top of uh, the lead along with Alabama. And, uh, and again, you get a, a win last night, and it, it allows you to keep pace with you know trying to go on a run here and go from that 8-9 slot 
to possibly get on the sixth line for the NCAA tournament where you're playing an 11 seed, and if you get through that, you're playing at, at worst a three seed, which is a good team, but not an elite team. Also, we can't talk about last night's game and not mention Walter Clayton's dunk. Oh, that, what, that about that? what about What about the What about the move? The oh, move the, I think the, the neighbors heard me scream. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, that was just oh my goodness, majestic. Yeah, and I, and I assume, by the way, that it made Sports Center, didn't it? I didn't watch it, but I can't yeah, imagine yeah. that wasn't. I mean, on for the people list. that people that didn't see it, he was coming up. He was coming up kind of the left side of the court. Made an unbelievable stop and start move to lose his defender. I thought the move was as impressive as the mm-hmm. dunk. Yeah. And then he flushed it like he was Julius Irving. Man, he hung. Yeah. I, I mean, I was stunned at, at how he just continued to elevate on it. Yeah. yeah. Th- this team has so much athleticism. Yeah, that yeah. is one thing. Other Florida teams might have had athleticism, but they didn't have the basketball skill to go along with it. Right. I mean, even Denzel Aberdeen, we've seen him. Yeah. He, won, like, well, he won their dunk contest in this. Right, absolutely, which I think thing. people forgot because they didn't get to actually see him play much basketball this right. season so far. But, yeah, they've got some guys with, yeah, some serious talent. And I will tell you, the uh, that those guards now, that that's, uh, Gator fan, if you're a Gator fan, enjoy that now because yeah. – this is Pullen's last year. He's a grad. He cannot play again. Clayton could come back, but now there's a buzz. He could get drafted. And that he's wouldn't get, surprise me. And if he's going to draft, he's not coming back. Right. So you, so enjoy these two guards. You don't, you don't get this very often. Well, it's interesting because Pearl talked about him and uh, in glowing terms, yeah. and then uh, McMahon last night, the LSU coach said, "These are the two best guards in the SEC." It's the yeah. best combo, yeah. but and I, I mean, it, it's the best. I mean, that's those two guards are really, really good. I mean, pull to me. Pullins is complete a basketball player as they've had there in a long time. Absolutely. He, he is as complete a basketball player. I mean, he is a really good basketball player. And Clayton, the great shooter. I mean, it, And Clayton it, last night couldn't rely on his threes because yeah. they were guarding that. I'm so t- instead he decided, I'm just going to score all my points I'm, in the paint. I'm telling you, Stan Cross and Craig Brown. Yeah, that's a great call. Cross was built the way Pullen is. He's physical. He's 6'3", had the broad shoulders. Brown made everything the way the way Clayton, Brown wasn't the crazy athletic like like mm-hmm. Clayton is, but it, it, this is crossing for people that right. don't remember the '94 team. Lauren, you were probably a little young. No, I, I went to a game in Gainesville oh, and watched them. So, so the, this is Dan Cross and Craig Brown all over again. Yeah, but but more athletic probably. And not only do you have that, yeah, you're 11th in the country in rebound margin. Right. So yeah. your bigs aren't bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Florida is going to be really a team if, if if Florida does get into this thing. They are not going to be an easy out. Yeah, for any, I don't care who right, they see. Right, and and, and and again, this is a big one now because this is this is a game. I mean, remember they still have they still have three games against Vanderbilt, Missouri. Now, look, you can right. always get upset, but that's three games. You win this week, you get to eight. You get to now all of a sudden you're eighteen and seven and eight and four. I believe ranked. I believe I don't, the ranking doesn't really matter. No, the net matters. But it matters emotionally it does. To, to them, not just us. You yeah. win at Alabama next Wednesday, then well, you're definitely. Well, that, I don't think they're winning that one, but uh, but I do think, but I do think they're 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 well positioned. So it'll it'll be. And you're right. Let's let's stand basketball just for a second. Ju at Kennesaw tonight. UNF at Queens tonight. Very interesting games for me because and then they play two days later, so they have a quick turnaround. But but or maybe it's three days. Or maybe it's a Saturday game. But but Ju at Kennesaw tonight. The uh, JU's first game since the very controversial game that JU won at home, Hayes, but the coach, Jordan Mincy, was ejected, went to the athletic director and said, can you believe what that official said to me? 
After the game, a day later, the official was suspended for the rest of the season by the league. So they must believe what Jordan Menzies said or others heard it. Yeah. So now JU back on the court for the first time since then. They love their coach. They're going to defend their coach. They're going to get their coaches back. They, it's a Kennesaw team that they almost beat last time. I'll get to UNF in a second, but that's a big game now for the Dolphins. It is, and, and they have rallied. They have momentum, and they were confident they were going to gather it. You could, in talking with them the couple times we were at the Riverhouse, you, you picked up on there wasn't any sense of panic. It was just simply we got to get our guys back, and we get Workman back, and, uh, and, and he's responded well. I would imagine that you know now he can do even a little bit more. Uh, and uh, I think I think Ju is is dug done a nice job digging themselves out of the hole they were in. And uh, yeah, I expect that they'll they'll go and, and get a win. Yeah, I would expect that too. Like you said, really emotional to rally around Jordan Mincy, and, and like we talked about, he's such a great guy. And and uh, by the way, yes, both Ju and UNF turn around and play Friday night. They switch teams and play Friday night, so it is a quick turnaround and also really important game for UNF with the way that they have had a little bit of a losing schedule. Yeah, Ju's won three out of his last after starting the league schedule one and six. They've won three of the last four, and you thought they were turning around a little bit. UNF, almost exactly the opposite. Yeah. After starting five and one in the league, they've lost four out of five mm -hmm. and are now six and five. I think they're a better team. I think they're better than a team that's lost that. But they, too, again, they go to Queens and then Kennesaw. JU goes to Kennesaw and then Queens. An awful lot of the season and this A-Sun season and placement in the tournament, if they make the tournament, really depends on these next in the next three days. So it's a really big, Lauren, to your point about UNF, big game for you. Hopefully they both get it turned. JU's got it turned around. Hopefully they keep it going. Hopefully UNF can get this thing turned around. They're a better basketball team than that than that five out of six. But think about it. JU starts one and six in the league. Mm -hmm. And it's now won three out of four to climb back in it. UNF started five and one in the league, but it's now lost five out of six to fall kind of out of that great spot there. And what a crazy year in really, the A Sun. It really is, and it'll be a crazy tournament. And and the hope is that UNF will get, you know, its bearings and yeah. get hot again and, and secure at least one home game in the tournament. You know, and, and for JU, you know, keep making a put. I don't think JU's probably gonna be able to climb high enough right. to get uh, a home game. But, uh, but climb high enough that uh, you certainly avoid any chance of being outside the top ten, which I'd be surprised now if, if they fall back to that. If they can just take care of business uh, in, in Swisher, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll be assured a, a spot in the, in the ten. So, uh, but, yeah, keep climbing and, and see what happens. We'll take a break. More in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. <laughs> Welcome back to the Frangie Show on this glorious Wednesday afternoon here at Bregan Baseball Complex. We've got baseball going on. We've got softball going on. It all benefits walk-off charities. And everyone who comes out here, Frank, says how absolutely beautiful the ballpark yeah. is. We're, you know, I was looking around, Lauren. Thank you. But I'm thinking the, the time in the last three years of waiting for the grandstand to get built and a couple of the shades didn't come in until later, so we waited on that forever. And that was some gnashing of teeth. You know what I mean? And then every, we had we bought the mound, and we, we, the first mound we get we didn't like, so we brought a second, you know what I mean, second mound. And you could write a book on how this has gone. The bullpens got done Saturday. The foul poles went up Saturday. Our friends at uh, Baker Sports in Burbank, my buddy Rusty Green, and works for Josh Baker, he was up there putting these. Well, those foul poles are 30 feet high. Try and put one of those in the ground. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so, uh, so just all, just all of it, and going through the, 
the not the agony of it, but just the patience, you know. And so seeing it all. Uh, look and you're a patient person. I'm very patient. So that I'm known, works out well. I'm known for my legend legendary <laughs> patience, and uh, but it is it is really I'm real proud of it. Yeah, yeah as well you should be, and uh, lots of uh, fun games going on all week long. So. If you're interested, go to walkoffcharities.com and learn more information. All right. We've got Green's li- Mike Greenberg's list, Greeny's list, of quarterbacks to win the first Super Bowl next. Now, again, this is his list, not my list. The quarterbacks who's never won one. The quarterback who's so never who's won one. And in one. order of one through five, who is going to win one next? Okay. Oh. His number one will shock you. That's why I wanted to bring the, this list The number up. one quarterback to win – the next Super Bowl, a quarterback who's never won one before. Not Lamar? I, I wouldn't no. guess, yeah. I, I would guess. Not, I, I, my guess. Lamar would, is on his list, but not on If you four. ask me who's the next, who will be the next quarterback to win his first, Lamar or Burrow would be my first two guys. Yeah, Josh Allen would be up there. Yeah, be those third, are all Those he, are all great guesses. Hey, hang on. He, he's got somebody. He, and for the record, number three is Joe Burrow. Josh Allen – does not make his top five. Well, he's a Jets guy. Okay, so so knowing Greeny, it's probably Zach Wilson. <laughs> Which, by the way, we never talked about this. But can you believe the owner of the Jets was like, "Yeah, we need a backup quarterback." I, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, if you're Zach Wilson, your confidence just has to be completely shot. He needs so, to get so who would he have yeah. on there? So it's not C.J. Stroud. It is not C.J. Stroud, like nor Jordan does he Love? make his top five. It is Jordan Love. Yeah, I never so thought you'd guess that, but, yeah, number well, one, only because Jordan If Love. you hadn't said with the yeah, caveat of right, never right. believe, right, right. I would have needed nine, ten guesses probably <laughs> to get but, to Jordan Love, but, but, if maybe more. But here, and, I, and I, like Greenies, I like Greenies' work, but what that is is, okay, let me – I need some hits. Right. So let me put one out there that's plausible but not expected. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the plausible but not expected – Answer right, and, yeah. and that's which is why it's out there. Which, which, which is so. Uh, but I love so his the, list. Number one, Jordan Love. Yeah. Number two, I think, should be number one on everyone's list, Lamar. and that's Brock Purdy. No, Brock Purdy, because okay. if you think more logically, NFC, you're going to be facing Mahomes okay. most likely. So yeah, coming right. out of the NFC, Brock Purdy you. just made it to the Super Bowl. Probably could have made it a year ago. Good point. I think Brock Purdy's a good answer. Number three and four, we just talked about Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson makes sense. His number five would also not be on y'all's list. Justin Herbert. No, that one was. But I can at least see that. Yeah. Sure. If you yeah. believe in sure. Harbaugh. Sure. I mean, Justin Herbert. But how is, is Josh Allen, to your point, not on this list yeah, if mean, you're going to have Joe Burrow and Lamar on this yeah, list? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, yeah, I, it's uh, same. It's a little preposterous. So my list. Yeah. Give me um, five. Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask first. <laughs> for, first. I'm going to put him first and second. Okay. I think I'm going to go twice with Kyle Trask. Um, I, I'm going to have Trevor on my list at some point, whether you all like it or not. But my first, Lamar That's, first. I think you should have Trevor. On your Lamar list. first. I think the Ravens are really good. I think Lamar is really good. I, I think, I think, I, I think Lamar first for me. Um, Burrow second for me. Brock. Trevor. And yeah, I'm a homer, but my list. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't want to put C.J. Stroud. I'm just not going to do it. It's against my, my list. Uh, so fifth for me. Uh, okay, I'll go Justin Herbert. That's my list. So my okay. li- my list, I just went Lamar, Burrow, Proc, Brock Purdy, um, Trevor. Who'd I have fifth? Jo- uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert. That's my list. Who's your list? 
I will go with Lamar, Burrow, Josh Allen. Uh, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts. I still believe in Hurts and the and Eagles. He and he doesn't have one. In uh, fifth. I'm not putting Trevor on there or Purdy. Go ahead and say something to Trevor so I can have my response. Um, I will take – I'll take Stroud. Why do you hate the home team? Why do you hate people? Because Why I, do you hate life? Is about all really. Why because do you Press life? Taylor went in a Super Bowl. That's what I can tell you why right now hate, today why, on why February 14th. Press Taylor is never going to be the offensive coordinator of a team that wins the Super Bowl. Why does he hate life, Lauren? The guy hates life. Because the you, do you hate oxygen? Do you hate air? I, I hate freedom. Do you hate, do you hate freedom? <laughs> do you hate poodles? How about poodles? You okay on poodles? I, I don't like cheeseburgers. Okay, unbelievable, oh. this guy. I mean, it's what not Trevor's look? fault. I mean, I, I, you know, I think Trevor's right. capable. You can make the point. But that if I had to bet my life on, you know, which five <laughs> quarterbacks are going to win their first Super Bowl, right, right. he wouldn't be on it because I don't yeah. see it happening anytime well, I, I wasn't building my – I was betting maybe a sleeve of – Titleist Pro V's. Yeah. I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really yeah. go in my life, but what's your list? I would go Brock Purdy 1, again, because you don't have okay. to face yeah, Mahomes to get, get to the Super Bowl. There's some logic there. In the Super Bowl. And then oh, I probably it's to go win the Super Bowl or just get to, to win their Super Bowl? To win, win the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I still yeah. think because Jalen Hurts has been to one. Brock Purdy's yeah. path is easier in the NFC than a lot of those AFC quarterbacks' paths. But yeah. uh, then I would go with the AFC guys, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and then I would probably also go Jalen Hurts for the same reasons. Why do you hate life? Uh, I don't. Do you hate oxygen? I How about hate apples? the team hate surrounding apples? Trevor. How's that? Not hate, but. You guys hate I, apples. I mean, it, I have to Who see more. Apples? Okay, so there you go. All right, very How good. do you like them donuts? Have we figured out <laughs> seedless apples yet? <laughs> I have not. I don't, I, have not. I don't eat apples. Why would yeah. you eat an apple? I like eating <laughs> apples, <laughs> but they. they <laughs> why would you eat an apple? Like <laughs> Lauren said, but why would why, you eat an apple if there was a donut? But why well, Anybody would eat apples out of a donut is. But how have we figured out seedless grapes and seedless watermelon? But we haven't figured out seedless apples. That's a really good point. You know what? We're going to have to research it. Can you Google that? What? I cannot, but I would <laughs> guess that apples are still Very grown cool. on trees, mm -hmm. and the other ones, you can yeah. kind of manipulate how they're grown, maybe? And this show needs Could a break be. is what we need to do. We need yeah. to go to break. We've never needed more to go to break. You guys hate America, and you hate oxygen, which is amazing to me. When we come back, I do want, I want to get into the, be the best defensive coordinator. Steve Spagnuolo just got a, a great raise and should have gotten one. Um, everyone's talking about this. Wink Martindale, who I thought was really good, couldn't get an NFL job. I, I, I hate to say taking the University of Michigan job settling, but I think he did. I think he would have rather had an NFL job. Who are the best and, uh, and, and how important are they these days? Let's talk D coordinators as we start the final hour of the program. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. And here, that means it's time for more football. Football! Hut, hut, hut. Football at 5. It's 5 somewhere. On the Frangie Show. A lot of football to talk about. Uh, always the 5 o'clock hour, but uh, we do remind you today's the day for baseball and softball. The Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball and Softball Classic are going on right now at Bregan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Regional Park. Uh, we'd love to have you come on by. Uh, all the proceeds here, everybody that buys a ticket, everybody buys a hot dog, it all goes to help kids in underserved areas play baseball. It's just that simple. We are, we are a bit the middleman here. I'm serious about that. Uh, every time you buy a ticket to come out here and watch really terrific baseball in a really terrific ballpark, every time you do it, uh, 
uh, a kid gets a glove on his hand and gets to play baseball, or her hand. So, uh, so, so come on by and support it. Uh, tomorrow, a uh, full day of baseball tomorrow and softball. Uh, games at 4 and 7. Uh, 11 o'clock tomorrow, I should say 11 a.m., 4 and 7 on the baseball side because the Heritage Classic, Reigns versus Rebalt, is tomorrow morning. That is at 11 o'clock. And then 4 and 7 for the two afternoon games, two softball games, 4 and 7 tomorrow. And then on Friday, 1, 4, and 7 on the baseball side, 4 and 7 on the softball side. We had three games on each schedule for Saturday. We'd love to play them, but uh, by all uh, by all accounts, it's going to be hard to do that. It would certainly appear. So so there you go. But come out and see us. Right now we've got the Ed White and Jackson playing on the baseball side, and we have Providence and Sandalwood on the softball side. The softball nightcap is Hilliard and Fletcher. The baseball nightcap is Baldwin versus Inglewood. That all comes up uh, in just a bit. The uh, so defensive coordinators are all the range, all the rage. Give me you gave me the college guys at the top of the program. Mickey Andrews, uh, Brent Venables. Mm-hmm. Who else comes to mind as far as defense? Bob Stoops before he's a head coach. Yeah, who Foster. Uh, Bud Foster for all those years for Virginia Tech, and it's almost like if you became a great head coach, do you still qualify on the D coordinator list? Right. Yeah, because I, like I saw, I, I looked up an NFL list, and the NFL list is the best defensive minds of all time. And it was Belichick and Chuck Knoll and, well, they became great. Tom yeah, Landry. Right. Well, they became great head coaches. Like Buddy Ryan would yeah. probably qualify for mm-hmm. defensive Correct. coordinator. Yeah. And, and, so much. and Buddy he Ryan, was a head coach. Yeah, Buddy Ryan known more as a defensive coordinator. Right. Yeah, so I would think that. Dick LeBeau. The, yeah, he's, he's high on the NFL list. Mm-hmm. The NFL list, Marvin Lewis, Dick LeBeau for sure, Buddy Ryan for sure, Bill Arnsbarger for sure. In your mind, the guys you've watched, like who's like, like who's the best Jaguar defensive coordinator? Dom Capers, I would say so. He's probably the best, right? Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to think because we had a lot of them, but Dom Capers that was an all star staff when they had Gilbride Capers yeah. and Tom Coughlin as head coach. That was, and and Dom Capers obviously has done it uh, in multiple stops. So yeah, I think I think he'd have to be in in terms of the Jaguars. Uh, it's a great question though. I mean, league wide, I. Uh, you know, I think for me, Buddy Ryan would be close to the, to the top. I mean, Belichick was a great coordinator, but again, yeah. like, like he's known as a head coach. Yeah. He's a head coach. So, um, but uh, and it's getting harder and harder. You know, it's getting harder and harder to produce quality defenses with uh, the game being so spread out. And uh, you know, but uh, you know, Arnsberger's a good one. That's the uh, undefeated Dolphins, right? That's the exactly right. Defense. That's yeah. exactly he was. He was. The, he, he, yes, he was. As I go through a list. Uh, NFL guys, Dom Capers, you, Lauren said it, uh, Dick LeBeau for sure, Marvin Lewis, Vic Fangio, right, was on that list, I think, Leslie yeah. Frazier, Jim Johnson for the Eagles all those years, yeah. never became a head coach. Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips, is, I wrote him down, Wade Phillips is on the list. Spagnolo. Spags yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Jim Schwartz for sure. Yeah. Wink Martindale for sure. Uh, you said it, Buddy Ryan back in the day. Um, if you could have one of those guys that I just ran off, one guy. Who's your guy? Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan, probably right, because he was a, he was he was ornery. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, on top of everything else, he was, kind of, he was ornery. He was ornery guy. Yeah. You know, so I, I think he'd probably be. I mean, he was he was so good. His kids got jobs. Right. right. <laughs> and and they did, and they really did. So I think he'd probably be number one on my list. Um, favorite Gator defensive coordinator Stoops. Yeah. Stoops would be hard. To, would be hard to beat. Um, who did Urban have? They had Charlie uh, Strong and mm-hmm. Greg Madison. Yeah, Charlie Strong. I think Madison was the original one. Yeah, wasn't he? I think yeah. I think Greg Madison was his original DC. I'm not sure if he went the whole way with them. I don't yes. think he did. 
Yeah. I want to say Madison went to. Well, you know, Char- yeah, yeah, Madison and Charlie both were both had championships, right? Yeah. I think so. Um, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to remember. I think. I think they both. Think they both had championships. If I'm not mistaken. Just a ball came over and, yeah, and hit my chair. He was coming to collect it. All good. Didn't hit me. Just hit yeah. my chair. Uh, as far as the second best for Florida, would, would Dan Quinn also be high on that list? Muschamp kind of ran it. Yeah. So that's why. It, I mean, probably in terms of name recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the time, I, I, it'd be hard for me to put him on there because it was really Muschamp's yeah. unit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think in terms of uh, in terms of Spurrier's early years, uh, you know what exactly? Because uh, Stoops didn't come until '96, um, and Florida played some outstanding defense. But uh, I'm drawing a blank on who the who Spurrier's first DC was. But uh, but certainly, I think when you look at FSU, Mickey Andrews would uh, take Absolutely. the cake by a mile. Um, and uh, you know Georgia, obviously, Irk Russell, uh, who we've uh, you know when Frank uh, when Frank returns, I'm sure he'll have some some good Irk Russell stories for us. But you know the kind of guy that would bang his head on a you know a, a player's helmet in <laughs> celebration, and then coach the rest of the game with a bloodied forehead. Um, so I mean, yeah, those those great defensive minds. It's always uh, a pleasure to watch them work, and it's just getting. The rules of the the game have not benefited those guys at all, and uh, it's harder and harder to play great defense. But uh, but we'll see. And I'm I'm really intrigued about Ryan Nielsen. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm what excited is to if you can only ask him one question, which you'll probably get more than one. Although I yeah, know it's, I, it's somewhat limited because he's busy. What would be your first question? I, I think just Trayvon Walker. Like okay. that's to me the million dollar question is. It does feel like it's time now to move him inside for at least a good portion mm-hmm. of his snaps. So I think uh, I think how we employs Trayvon Walker would uh, would tell the tale. Frank, we were talking about uh, you know we went through Flo- who was Spurrier's first defensive coordinator? Uh, Jim Bates. Bates was good. Bates was very good. He, he went. He had Bates one year, Zook for three years, Bobby Pruitt for two years, right? Then Bob Stoops, then Stoops for three years, and then Charlie wasn't Charlie at the end? I think. I'm trying to who, who when Stoops left or he had Hokey right for a year. That's right, John Hoke. John oh. Hoke. That's right. It was John Hoke. So it was it was Bates, Zook, Pruitt, Stoops, Hoke. Yeah, and, and then it, we talked about Mickey Andrews, Irk yeah. Russell. Irk, Irk, Irk Russell was 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 legendary. Is the Georgia defensive? Irk Russell before the games would headbutt the players yeah. with his bald head. <laughs> they they had helmets on. Remember that? They had helmets on. He would head, but 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 the defensive coordinator is almost sort of a legendary tough guy. You know. Is, is, is almost almost sort of a legendary tough guy in football. Different than the the offensive coordinator over the years is the strategic thinker guy. He's not going out. He don't want to. He's not going to tough you. You know, the defense. You, you, I mean, the the offensive line coach doesn't become the coordinator very often, but the defensive line coach might be the defensive coordinator. Yeah, it, it, there's just. I'm telling you, the yellers on staff are the O line guy and the D coordinator. If you go to a certainly back in the day, you go to a practice in the 80s or the 90s. And you walk up and someone's yelling. It's one of those two guys. When you say that, yeah. it's one of those two guys so yelling. So Doug Marone was an anomaly then yeah, to go yeah. from offensive line coach to very unusual. He, the, in fact, Doug Marone is one of the few offensive line coaches that I can ever remember becoming a head coach. I'm trying to think of guys who were a lot of defensive guys. I want Belichick and Noel and Landry mm-hmm. and all those guys. A lot of offensive minds, but 
Off, I mean, offensive line coach becoming a head coach. Yeah, because normally if you're going to go offensive, you want it to be a guy who's quarterback. You know, quarterback. Guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so who was Miami's best offensive coordinator? Miami Hurricanes. Dave Campo. <laughs> yeah, he was very good one. <laughs> but they, they, they had, they had Wanstat. Yeah. They had um, Butch Davis was the defensive coordinator there. All went on to become head coaches. They, 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 had, they had a great staff. There was an all-star staff. Mickey, Mickey Andrews is so good, you don't even know of any others. I, oh, can't yeah. even, I can't even think of any other Florida State guys. But Mickey, Mickey, and Mickey never wanted to be – he was an Alabama guy, never wanted to be a head coach. Mickey's a guy that never wanted to be a head coach. He, he wanted to be Bobby Bowden's tough defense. And he was so different than Bowden. He was, I liked Mickey. I, he, he liked me. We had a pretty good relationship. But that was one ordinary cuss there. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, my, Mickey Andrews was. But as I look at these, when I see the Spags got the got the the deal, extension. The, the the extension, and I think more and more and more, I think those guys are the head coach of the de- those guys are the head coach of the defense more than the offensive coordinators. You ever notice that yeah. the offensive coordinator is always under the head coach, but the defensive coordinator he's the he's the boss. He's the boss of the defense. So it's interesting. That's why Mike Caldwell's personality didn't exactly align with how most defensive coordinators are. I think Mike Caldwell is a good football coach. I can tell you that when when the whole staff got fired here, from everything you hear, he was in demand as a linebackers coach. I mean, a lot of people wanted him. Now, whether he gets a chance to be a coordinator again, I don't know. I think Joe Cullen will get a chance again. I think Joe Cullen – I told you guys this story. Joe Cullen turned down the Michigan coordinator job, and they really wanted him. And Joe wants to be a coordinator again and wants to be a head coach one time. So he really thought about it. He talked to the people in the business that he trusted. He asked a lot of questions about should we, does it make sense for us, the whole bit. And at the end of the day, and he thought he might get Seattle, which he didn't get. So, But I think even at the end of the day, even if he didn't get Seattle, I think there was a, the, the opinion generally was you're better off to be the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line coach than you are to be the, to be the – Defensive coordinator at Michigan. Isn't that, isn't that an indictment a little bit of college football? No doubt about it. That you're better Absolutely. off to be the line coach with the Kansas City Chiefs than you are to be the defensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. Interesting stuff. So, so let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the hardball that's going on here. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the Fringy Show live here at the Bragan Baseball Complex. Baseball going on, softball going on. Everybody out here hopefully has uh, brought a jacket because we discussed how fantastic the weather has been all day. But a few clouds have rolled in. I think those are cirrus clouds, uh, if memory serves. <laughs> of course they are. And uh, like, those are rolled like, in along, like we didn't with, know that. along with the wind. So uh, if you're coming out for... Uh, any of the action tonight, make sure you do bring a, a jacket or a blanket or something along those lines. Be prepared. Uh, do we have any scores as you walked around a little bit? I did not get scores. Okay. Again, because we don't have a scoreboard, I can't tell you the scores. <laughs> I apologize for that. All Next good, time we, we'll have that. We do have Ed White versus Jackson going on right now on the baseball side, and then Providence and Sandalwood squaring off on the softball side. Tonight's baseball game is Baldwin versus Inglewood. Frank's alma mater, and then on the softball side, Hilliard versus Fletcher. So a ton of uh, fun stuff going on around here. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, really been cool watching this baseball game and uh, the softball one as well. You just see such an energy yeah. and enthusiasm, and it's it's great to see. It's, yeah, uh, it really is. You it know, is. It's, it's a lot of fun. And there's an energy to it, man. It really is. Just all these kids. And, and by the way, all of these kids, this is their preseason. They all get to play actual games that count starting next week. You get to play two this week, and they've all gotten to do it, which makes it certainly an, an awful lot of fun for 
for all of these guys playing out here. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, let's kind of recap some of the stuff we've talked about throughout the course of the day. Uh, Ryan Nielsen uh, tomorrow, Hayes, will meet with the media, the brand-new Jaguar defensive coordinator. I do get the sense, and I think one question that we want to get the answer to, although we kind of know, I think, is this is his defense. He's the head coach of the defense, I've got to believe. He's very involved in the formulation of the staff. It already looks like there's some there's some coaches that he worked with in New Orleans and other places. Uh, I, I think you're gonna I think you're gonna interview tomorrow uh, a head coach of a defense. I think that's what you're gonna have. Yeah, and it's always good just to get some you know biographical information like who are his mentors and who does he credit and that stuff's interesting. And you know, obviously we'll we'll have a lot of time to to get to the ins and outs and. Uh, as we get to know him, and, and hopefully we'll get some of that tomorrow too. But you know, just get a sense of him. I mean, again, Trent Baalke, you know, said at his press conference a few weeks ago, this guy was at Disney with his kids. Yeah, yeah. And uh, gets the call and and drives up, and 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 now he's the the coordinator, and in a huge year for the Jaguars. I mean, he's this isn't a rebuild on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a lot of talent. I mean, they've got. Uh, obviously, it starts with Josh Allen and, and Trayvon Walker, but they've got some nice pieces on that defense, uh, and, and I'm sure they'll add to it. Um, it could e- they could even add uh, to it with the 17th pick, whether that's a corner or edge player, defensive tackle. But uh, it'll be fun. I, I think it's I think this is going to really help Trayvon Walker and unlock him even more uh, because I do think that Nielsen, I think from a scheme standpoint, is going to be better for Trayvon. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about with it. Yeah, certainly. And I think getting to know his personality tomorrow will be fascinating to contrast him, even though it's not necessarily fair to Mike Caldwell. How does Ryan Nielsen's personality compare to his now that he's not here? But, of course, that's what we're going to do because he was the defensive coordinator for the first two years under Doug Peterson's tenure here. And then I think also learning what is the identity of the defense for Ryan Nielsen. He's got, like you said, Hayes, he's got some talented players. How does he envision them uh, as a defense moving forward? You think he'll talk scheme? I think he might a little. Hey, well, I mean, hey, if we're going to four three, if this team's going to four three, you think he'll tell anybody? I mean, why not? It'll help because whoever does end up asking it, you have the the cards you can play on. When Trent Baalke met with us, uh-huh. he talked about the scheme's yep. going to look different. Yeah, can you elaborate on on what he, that? he says? That, that's a great point that's because yeah. that's that's sort of the, a lot of like Mike Caldwell was always terrified to say anything, right? And which I get, he'd never been a coordinator before. He didn't want to upset his bosses, so he he didn't really ever. I mean, he wouldn't tell us who was wearing the green dot four weeks into training camp <laughs> when everybody knew it was going to be uh, a Luacon. And so, you know, I, hopefully uh, Ryan Nielsen has a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, feels a little bit more confident in what he can say. But I do think it helps that the general manager has already told the fans there will be a, a change in scheme. It does feel like this 3-4 defense, because of that comment, because of the personnel that we've now watched for a while, it does feel like this is a team headed to a 4-3 base. Now, again, you're not in uh, – everyone, by the way, whatever the scheme's going to be, all will downplay it. The theory being, you're not in base all that much anyway. You're you're in you're nickel seventy percent of the time or whatever the number they always give out to us. But I do think what you are in base is the foundation and identity of who you are, and I do think it matters. I I'm not, I've never been one that believes it doesn't matter what your base scheme is because you're normally in nickel, which is four down and two linebackers. I, I think it does matter. Well, I, if it I doesn't matter, why do we even use the terminology? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Well, we still use the terminology. Correct. Yeah. So obviously, it has some meaning. Yeah. I so. mean, it's it's probably more hybrid now than it's ever been, but still, it's it is interesting to see. And again, I I just find it interesting to see is does he view Trayvon Walker? Yeah. Is more of a guy that can help them inside, or does he like him as 
you know, outside and, and how much does he like just moving guys around and, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm, and to that point, I'm really interested to hear what he looks for in a nickel because yeah. I don't yeah. think they have what he wants at nickel. I'll say this back, back to the line. I, I think Trayvon is going to be outside. But I think he's going to be outside. I think he's going to be a big end in a four-three outside, which means hand on the ground all the time. I, I think they would tell you they think he's a better player when his hands on the ground. I'll bet you the presence of Trayvon Walker, who was the first pick in the draft, has a lot to do with the scheme change. I mean, this is he's he's he clearly looks like a four-three end more than he looks like a three-four outside linebacker. And I know they I. I felt from day one they were forcing that i did i for he's a big end i think in a four three so if you had drafted aiden hutchinson would we be having these conversations about well that's the fact that they well, needed a scheme change well he certainly he could be either because he is six foot seven but i think he's more outside linebacker than trayvon is i, I think i think aiden could but yeah it's a good question i think it's aiden's a guy that could have played either but i think the the if if they go to a four three we don't know if they are or not but hayes if they go to a four three defense and and now Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker are your two defense four three defensive ends. One certainly they're they're both big guys. They're both six five two sixty five six five two seventy five. It's not like one of them's Yannick Ngakwe who's six three two forty. They don't have that. They had that in Chase Downey, what a very good player. So 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 no. I, I think the fact that that's what their two outs, that's what their two edges are. Edges can come in all shapes and forms, man. Edges can be six three two twenty. Edges can be six five two seventy. Julius Peppers was an edge. He was six six two ninety. You know, so you can be a lot of different stuff. Uh, I think because of what their edges are, logic logic tells you. I think because of that alone, that a four three makes sense, and I think they may go to the four three for that reason alone. Yeah, I I agree, and you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I I am encouraged defensively about what they could be. I'm surprised the hire wasn't somebody that's been a coordinator for longer than than Nielsen, but uh, but I'm excited to see what what he can do because defensively I I have a fairly high level of confidence that they can figure out what ails them on that side of the ball. Uh, offensively is is a little bit different of a story for me uh, unless Doug Peterson gets more involved. But I I think defensively they've got some good talent and I I hope that Jared Verse is there at 17 and that they take him. I just think if you added Jared Verse to this defense and you added a third really quality uh, edge rusher, right. I think they would really have something. C.J. Stroud would not be happy with that pick. Yeah, you've got of, – of the things that – listen, they, they've had back-to-back winning seasons. They've done some good stuff. You can't do – you can't not – but if there's one mistake they made – there was a there was a there was a period and maybe they tried and they couldn't do it financially, but there was a period when it sure seemed like an awful lot of veteran edge rushers were out there. Leonard Floyd and Van Noy and Clowney and Ingram and, and on and on and, and they didn't wind up with any of those guys. Now Trent Balky was asked about that in his postseason presser and he said, Listen, we brought in Floyd, we tried, and who knows, maybe they offered Floyd and he said, No, I'd rather go to the Ravens but but I'm sorry, Clowney. I mean Clowney. They brought in Clowney. Maybe they offered Clowney. Said no, I'd rather go to the Ravens. But the bottom line is, if there's an area where they erred, one area for sure is not bringing in uh, some sort of a veteran, a veteran pass rusher. So we'll see. We'll see what winds up happening. By the way, speaking of coordinators, Steve Wilkes fired. Steve Wilkes, who was a coordinator in, in, for the 49ers, one year. He was one year and got him to a Super Bowl and is fired. It's amazing. I mean, it, it's 
And they were good defensively. Yeah, it's a mistake. I mean, it's it's really, really – again, you wonder with Shanahan if he's just so shell-shocked and heartbroken over uh, losing the Super Bowl that, uh, you know, that he just made a, an impetuous decision here because it just doesn't seem like what you would do. I mean, Here's, here was his quote. This morning I released Steve Wilkes of his memory. He was only there. He was only the coordinator there one year, and in the one year he was there, they went to the Super Bowl and almost won the Super Bowl. But they lost the Super Bowl in overtime, and he gets fired. Uh, this morning, this is the words of Shanahan. This morning I released Steve Wilkes of his duties. Uh, we're going to go. In, we're going to end up making a change here at defensive coordinator. A really tough decision because it really says nothing about Steve as a man or as a football coach. I mean, he's exactly what we wanted as a man. He's a great football coach. But just where we're going and where we're at with our, t- with our team from a scheme standpoint and things like that, looking through it all throughout the year to these last few days, I felt pretty strongly that this was a decision that was best for the organization. You guys, there one year, one year they go to the Super Bowl and lose the Super Bowl in overtime, and the defensive coordinator gets fired after that one year. But if you're Shanahan, you're not looking at just the Super Bowl. You're looking at the lead up to the Super Bowl. And he said that. And the Packers and the Lions both had pretty good leads on the 49ers to start those yeah, games. So, I mean, he's probably thinking, yeah, we made it to the Super Bowl, but barely. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I am surprised. I was surprised to see that. But you have to wonder if there's some analytics stuff going on that yeah. Shanahan's, you know, super into that maybe Steve Wilkes isn't. I know he played a lot of zone against Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes picked him apart. Yeah, and, and he did say, and he did say that part of this was a scheme change or, or where we're going with a scheme. And I do believe there's some coordinators they're ha- they're happy with only their scheme, and and there's a belief, fair or not that they're not great at coaching a different scheme. And Shanahan may believe that the missing piece to the Lombardi Trophy is Austin Armstrong, and now he can go hire him away okay. from Billy Napier. So, take a break. When we come back, uh, Lauren's got news and notes. Our final uh, segment on this day, live from the Bregan Baseball Complex at the Walkoff Charities High School Baseball and Softball Classic. Come back after this. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Well, gentlemen, sad news out of Kansas City as one person has died and 10 to 15 were injured after a shooting during the Chiefs' Super Bowl parade. Two people have been taken into custody, but Mm. you just absolutely hate to see that. Yeah, really, really, really sad. I just, golly. You know, I never get political, and I'm not going to get political because this isn't about politi- politics. It's about bad people. But what a shame. Yeah, what a shame. And I mean, some it, real heroes. Yeah. I mean, because I think uh, yeah, there yeah. was a couple fans that tackled the shooter. Oh, God. And Gee, I mean, it just, could have been a lot worse. Yes, what, 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 what are we doing? You know, and, and, and it's I, such and, a sad and, world. Just, yeah, yeah. What are we doing? I mean, that's, the Kansas City Chiefs, that, that, that wonderful town's trying to celebrate a championship and good fans. Golly. I mean, it's terrible whether whatever you're celebrating. But just man, it made me sad. Just yeah. just hearing the story, just goodness gracious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thoughts and prayers certainly with everybody there. All right, I've got a list of CBS Sports's top 25 free agents. If you have either of you seen the list? No, I have not. Okay. No. All right. So number one, Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones. I'll take him. I would take him. <laughs> as so well. will I. So will I. <laughs> number two. 
Jaguars outside linebacker Josh Allen. Well, and I, so and, if you if you thought, oh, I don't know if the, the Jags should pay yeah. him long term, here is your reason. And as he belongs. See, he had seventeen and a half sacks. He belongs, and he's a young guy. Hey, I was going to say, and he's getting yeah. ready to hit the prime of his career. Exactly. So he's number two on the list. Another guy that we've talked about coming to Jacksonville, but we don't think it's going to happen right. because of the franchise tag. T. Higgins, Bengals wide receiver. We'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, um, load him up. And by the way, to that end. Um, I don't think Hayes made the best point. They're not going to let him go, but that does intrigue me. (laughs) My good, and and again, I think there's, I think there's more pressing needs. Um, But boy, oh boy, keep going. At number four, we don't need him here. Kirk Cousins, quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Number five and number six, I think you'd take them as well. Brian Burns, defensive end slash outside linebacker for the Panthers, and Justin Matabuike, defensive tackle for the Ravens. Yeah, Burns is a great player. He's Funky a little bit. He's moody a little bit. Former Seminole. Uh, oh, Matt Abuike for this team. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Boy, would the, boy, would the, boy, would that fit the need. He is going to get so much money. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, because you just you don't have guys like that hit you the don't. market very often. Correct. I mean, it'll be Malik Jackson, what he got here, times, yep. you know, Which was, what, 50%. like 90 million? It was a lot. Back then? It was, yeah. I want to say maybe close to that. It was a that. lot of money. Yep. Because Malik was famous for saying, I want to get all 90 of it. Right, yes. right. That's, that's right. what I thought, yeah. That's, that's right. All right, number seven on the list, Jalen Johnson, Bears cornerback. I don't know enough about him. Must be a really – I don't know enough about him. Obviously, that's nothing – the Jags, I don't think – the Jags will probably draft a cornerback. Yeah. I don't see them uh, dipping in a free agency He did form. get a Pro Bowl nod this year, Jalen yeah. Johnson did. Okay. I'll, I'll take him. Number eight, Anton Winfield, the safety out for the Bucks. Really good player. Mm-hmm. Really good player. They, I don't think uh, the Jags need him, but no, really but good. Really Stroud raved about him. Right. Rick Stroud, when he yeah, did, buddy, when he joined us. Did he? And really, the, I can tell you, when I was down there for the game, they all raved about what a good player, what, what a leader, what a help. Remember, he almost didn't play in that game. Remember, yeah. he, was, he was down. He, That's right, he had a calf. He, right, and they, and they said, what a different – they said, I was told they felt like a totally different team if he didn't play. Number nine on the list, I don't think this guy's going anywhere. Legereus Sneed, cornerback for the Chiefs. Great player. Yeah. I, I I think Mahomes and Kelsey are one and two, okay? But after those two guys, and Chris Jones. Yeah, yeah. Chris Jones. But, boy, those cornerbacks are a big part of what they are. Yeah. And the, I mean, those two cornerbacks are a – Yeah, they make Spags yeah. look good. Yeah, and, and a, lot, a lot of people said one, one of the ways they beat the 49ers is by playing press man the whole time and playing on the line of scrimmage the whole time – they took away some of the junk plays, the wide receiver screens and the, the, the swings out of the backfield to McCaffrey because they could take the receivers. That's good receivers. That's Ayuk. That's Juwan Jennings. I mean, that, that's Debo. That's, that's, and they, they, played, they, they outplayed them. Yeah, they outplayed absolutely. a really good core. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing this list because I was looking at this today. So the Jaguars, according to SpotRack.com, have about $19.5 million in cap to work with. Uh, but some of the teams that are at the bottom, and that's like league average. Yeah. They're kind of right in the middle. Uh, but listen to some of these figures. The New Orleans Saints are $82.8 million over the cap Ooh. right now. Wow. Uh, the Bills are $51.8 million over. Over. The Dolphins are $51.2 million over. And the Chargers are $44 million over. Now, none of this means anything. Right. Because yeah, they'll restructure. And yeah. you create cap room. But still. But I'm bringing it up to, That's again, the starting point. Don't panic about the Josh Allen number. Right. The number is going to be very manageable. Right. Even though he was going to get yeah. highly compensated, right. as he should. So, again, it just speaks to, I mean, that is, I mean these numbers are, are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Right. And, I mean, the Jaguars have $19 million under the cap. Right. So and, and obviously can cut some veterans and, and 
create even more space. Yeah, certainly I think we will see them cut some veterans. Uh, numbers 10 and 11, I think y'all would take both of these guys. Daniel Hunter, defensive end out of the Vikings. We talked about him earlier this week. And Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle for the Dolphins. Both would fit. Yeah. Hunter should fit. be, I think, higher. I mean, I Hunt, think so, too. Hunter, to me, is like a top five guy. on If he hits the market, wow. I got to tell you, as far as players that I think you would make your team better, after, after Chris Jones, he might be next. Of week, eh? <clears throat> yeah. I'd probably take the Neil Hunter before Metabuike. Metabuike oh, okay. is really good. Yeah, this team needs a defensive tackle, I feel like, a, a star defensive tackle. Uh, the reason I'm still going is because there is another Jaguar on the list. Number 12 is Michael Pittman, the Colts' wide receiver. I think the Colts, by the way, we talk so much about the Texans because of the fact that they won the division, made the yeah. playoffs. The Colts, I mean, some people think the Colts are now ahead of the Jaguars as far as you know, franchises are concerned in the trajectory. All right, number 13, the guy that I love, Mike Evans, the wide receiver for the Bucks. 14 is Leonard Williams, a defensive tackle out of the Seahawks. I'd like him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Me that's too. the guy they should make a run at. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's still got good guy football Everybody left. thought they were going to draft. I know. When they drafted Dante well, Fowler. Yeah. If I keep yep. screaming for them to <laughs> right. take Leonard Williams, I mean, eventually maybe I'll be right. I mean, I, but of, all, of all the surprises in there when they had those high, really high draft picks, Dante Fowler over Leonard Williams yeah. was the biggest surprise to me of all of all of I all agree. of them. That that, was, that one, I, we all thought they were taking that, Leonard. Yeah, Williams. that was shocking. And uh, but anyway, maybe this will be the off season. I, I think he would provide some good interior pass rush. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be a fan of that move if uh, the Jaguars decide to make it. Fifteen is Tyron Smith, the Cowboys' offensive tackle. Jaguars don't necessarily need a tackle, at least not a starting tackle. So we think. And finally, number sixteen, Calvin Ridley for the. Uh, obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars wide yeah. receiver. Yeah. I, I, by the way, Ridley, for a guy who hadn't played in two years, for a guy in a new offense, for a guy who had to play with a quarterback that was banged up some, and for an offensive line that that, that wasn't didn't have a good year. I'll say this: Ridley didn't have the 1,400 yards and the 11 touchdowns and all. Calvin Ridley had a pretty good year, G- given everything they were dealing with. Thousand yards, what over 75 catches, whatever the number was. Had a pretty good. I thought Calvin Ridley, all things considered, had a pretty good year. I was disappointed in the year, but I agree with what you're saying about. I think next year could be a monster year for Calvin. Yeah, they Ridley. need him on the team next yeah, year. Yeah, they, they need him on the I team. I would not part ways with Calvin Ridley. So y'all are signing him to a long-term deal well, if the franchise tag is used on Josh. I would Allen? sign Josh Allen right. to the long-term right. deal, and I'd make that a point of celebration. Right. I wouldn't haggle over it and play hardball. I think that's utterly ridiculous. This should have been a sit down. You know the number. You know what the number is going to be, because you just go off of the the most recent contracts and you give them a bump. That's all this is. I, I don't know why it has to be made so difficult. <laughs> and so you just you sign Josh Allen, make that a, a a point of celebration for the franchise, and then you tag Ridley. But I I don't know that that's the way it's going to go. But that's the easiest way to secure yeah. both guys. Right, my, and my protect guess, my, your second round yeah. pick. My guess is both guys are going to be on the team. I, I I I would guess that both guys are going to be on the team. What a catch that was! That was a really I mean, that nice second catch. baseman from Ed White just got airborne to make yeah. a phenomenal play and get. And his team is certainly celebrating yeah. it as well. Uh, that's the kind of fun you get to see out here at the Bregan Baseball Complex. Uh, all right, so I love hearing about NFL coaches' salaries because I feel like we don't usually get to know how much they make. So I saw that Andy Reid deserves a pay increase. He's currently making about twelve million dollars. Big Red is. Sean Payton is believed to be the highest-paid head coach at $18 million. Is that what he's making? And Jim Harbaugh just got $16 million with the Chargers. Sean Payton got $18 yeah, million. Now, these are obviously reported. 20. Okay, yeah. yeah. Wow. You wow. never know for yeah. sure. It, wow. It helps when the uh, you know owners of the franchise also own Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, well, I don't doubt that they have it, but wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I had no idea. I would, yeah. I would, I would. If you'd asked me to guess, yeah, I think Belichick was making. Peyton got it first, and then I think Belichick got up to it. Uh, and uh, I would, I would have, I would have guessed between ten and thirteen for all those guys. Yeah, I would have never. Oh, it guessed. is spiked in the wow. last like five years. I had these no idea. Salaries have well, really spiked. How about that? Uh, tomorrow we can do some win totals for Major League Baseball teams. Okay, love it. I've got uh, win totals for all of the teams. I got the Pirates at 102. Is that, is that what you, I think that's – well, I'll take spoil, the over. Yeah, you got to go. And I'd go over. You're going to spoil the fun now. Sorry, if, sorry about that. No, sorry, I'll stop. it's fine. We can wait till, no, wait till, no, no, wait till tomorrow. Uh, but I got the Pirates at 102. Well, I can tell you that one of the numbers on the win totals is closer to 100 than the other. Okay. What, As in for the Pirates. Okay, what, what, you mean win or lose? <laughs> well, they're wrong. I got 102 as the way. I think you're way off. I mean, I, I'm curious. I'm going to set it at 102 and go over. Is the Dodgers, like, at a ridiculously high number? That is a good question. Uh, the answer is 100. Yeah, so I, I, I was going to ask you, what is, how many? How so, many by are, the way, the Pirates, 72 and 90. Okay, 72. We won't do this tomorrow. We'll do it right now. <laughs> if it was 72 and 90, is that, is, that, is that really the number? That's what I have. Yeah, I'm going. <laughs> I don't know if the number's really 72. But you know what? That number's about right. Well, what did you guys win this year? Uh, we won 68. So a little minor yeah, bump. Yeah, 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 what they yeah. Hayes, what would you guess the Braves' win total is? If the Dodgers is set at 100, what would you guess the Braves? You are very good, very close. Uh, very good guess. 98. Oh, wow. I'd go over. You would? Wow. Oh. Give me the Dodgers are where? The Dodgers are 100. The Braves are 98. Those are the two highest. Yeah, 100 is hard. You saw, I just went over. I think the Braves are really good. Where are the Yankees? The Yankees are 90. 90 wins, go 72 losses. So the exact opposite of the Pirates. Where are the Orioles? Orioles have 93 wins. I go so under, they are I go the under third there. best. What about the Rays? The Rays are sitting at 85 wins. Okay. Again, these are the win totals. By the way, by the way I'd go way over the Rays. I would too. I'd go over the Rays. So. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, and finally, a little bit of NBA news. I brought this up for Hayes since he's a former Magic fan. Yes. But once a Magic fan, always a Magic fan. Shaq's jersey was retired last night. He became the fourth player in NBA history to have his jersey retired with three different franchises, the Magic, the Lakers, and the Heat. He joins a legendary list of Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, and Pete Maravich. How about that? Was so he, th- was go, he 32 with the Magic? Yes. 32 with the Magic. 34, yeah, 30, 32 with the yeah, Magic. Yeah, okay. 34 with the Lakers. All right, yeah. and with that, let's say hello to Rick Ballew. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Rick Blue joins us now. <laughs> is Rick back in? I, I don't have my glasses are, on. RJ, is Rick back or did Rick leave? Did Rick, did Rick bail? What do you mean my back in? I've been here There's forever. Blue. Blue didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Blue's right there. I don't know what. I've been here since about 3 o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Blue's as reliable as they come. Uh, Rick, the, the defensive coordinator meets the media tomorrow. What are your expectations from Ryan Nielsen? Uh, you know, I, I met him briefly when um, uh, Trent Bulky spoke a few weeks ago. Uh, Doug Peterson was showing him around the Miller Electric Center. Seems like a really – Nice guy. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him, but I, I don't know what he'll actually be able to say tomorrow because I, I, I think for him, you know, the smart way about it is to see what he has with the roster. He, even though he has this scheme, and even though Trent Bulky told us that even though the scheme was a certain way, it, according to Trent Bulky, it's, it's really not that way. So um, I, I find that kind of interesting. But, you know, I think great coaches take the talent that they have and then run their offense or defense 
based on their talent, not run their defense and say, all right, you guys learn how to run it regardless of your skill level. So I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but I, th- I think it's going to be an interesting conversation, and um, it, it should uh, should be pretty cool to get something out of him as to uh, what he believes uh, is in store. It should be a good day. Yeah, I think so too, Rick. And I think too, I think it's, you know, defend, and you know this, defensive coordinators are all about the energy, you know, and I think it'll be fun to see. My guess is he's that guy. My guess is he's very energetic. And he's going to be that guy, and I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. So we'll see. All right, what's coming up tonight? What's on the program? All right, we got a lot on the – I got a couple of Jags things I want to do tonight. Also some golf tonight. Kind of some craziness right now uh, after what happened out in Phoenix. And, um, you know, the gallery went absolutely crazy. And here we are on the eve of, uh, of Tiger Woods going out and playing tomorrow. Uh, will he stick around for the weekend? He gets the benefit of a of a early tee time tomorrow and a late tee time on Friday, which I think – actually works out, you know, heavily to his favor if there is swelling in the lower part of his body after his round on Thursday. But, you know, what, what do we honestly expect out of Tiger Woods? And, you know, how crucial is it for him to play four rounds, be healthy, and then hopefully announce that he's going to play here in a month? So we got some golf coming up tonight as well. Uh, we should be busy here over the next couple hours. All right, Rick, sounds good. Thanks, buddy. All right, see you. Rick Ballou goes into the night, and that comes up right now. That'll wrap us up from the Bragan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Field. Uh, day three of the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball and Softball Classic. We'll be right back out here tomorrow. Hayes will be at the Ryan Nielsen Presser. I might be there. we got the Heritage game out here tomorrow. Range and Rebots. I've got to be here for some of that. But I'm going to try and get over there and say hello to Ryan Nielsen as well. And then we'll have that all for you tomorrow on the program. Don't go anywhere. Rick Palooka's into the night right now. For Hayes, Lauren, and RJ, I'm Frank Francis. So long.